everyone. Welcome along to the end of season Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast, the fourth one. I'm Kev. Um, I'm our host for the podcast and I've got the three regular members of the gang with me. Uh, Trust Chair Tony Murray, the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe and the voice that we're all heard way too much this season. Uh, I follow commentator Simon Pitch. Gents, thanks for being with me. Hi Kev. How's it going? Kev. Okay, coming up over the uh, course of this episode, we'll look back on what has been a quite brilliant season, actually, albeit one that we've watched on TV screens, as we know. Uh, We'll reflect on some key moments of the season. Uh, We'll talk about some of the key performers of the season, reflecting on the um, presentation evening. I'll get the boys to pick out their favourite moments of the season. We'll then discuss just how big the season was as a whole, uh, how we can build on it. Uh, There's been a few hellos and goodbyes uh, already and then we'll have a quick look ahead to next season let's get started then chaps by sort of reflecting on uh where we've been and and the season as a whole and i guess james one of the best things about the season was we've never been anywhere near the bottom three and one of the reasons for that was the sort of flying start that we made and uh, you know i'll refresh your memory because obviously i'm fully aware that you've got absolutely no recollection that far back. but we I'm, dre- just... I'm dreading this podcast, boys, because my memory is rubbish. <laughs> we should just highlight, though, before we do actually discuss the season, it's a condensed season. Um, very, 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 very short to almost non-existent pre-season. So, um, you know, to have hit the ground running was a great achievement, which we did. Our first um, game of the season was away, excuse me, away at Barnsley. Uh, we'd already beaten Norwich in the League Cup, hadn't we? Away at Barnsley, picked up a 1-0 win and followed it up with a 2-1 home win over Derby County. Yeah, well, I, I do remember those, actually, to be fair, because it was came courtesy of a thumping goal from Collo at, at Barnsley, didn't it? And then um, Jordan Clark came off the bench uh, against Derby, having already done the trick a couple of days earlier in the Cup uh, against Reading. But yeah, uh, it was a wonderful start, sort of jumped on from um, what happened last season. And um, yeah, it set, it set Luton up, you know. I know we were always talking about being mathematically safe from relegation, but when you look at it in hindsight, we weren't ever near. So um, yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful start. And it's nice to get one over on Derby. I've grown a very di- big dislike of Derby. I never had it before, but something about this season. And uh, <laughs> And then being cheats, so um, yeah, glad to be them. That's something I'll um, build on next season. That is for sure, Simon. Um, I mean, a great start in the league. Those two wins, also buoyed by the two cup wins that came either side of it, and that led to the first sort of real high-profile game in a high-profile week, didn't it? When uh, we drew Manchester United in the third round of the Carabao Cup, we were always going to draw these great ties when none of us could be there. I mean, that was. That was blatantly obvious, but it's great to have been involved in those sorts of games again, particularly in light of where we've come from over the last few seasons. Yeah, indeed it was. And as you say, such a disappointment that it couldn't be a packed Kenilworth Road for um, the visit of Man United. And But, you know, what a performance the lads put on all, all until, you know, the last few minutes when uh, a couple of extra goals went in. But great chance. I think it was Lockyer, wasn't it, that had a header saved. Um, that could have made it 1-1. But um, no, tremendous uh, occasion for the club to uh, to go toe-to-toe with United and, and give them a good run for their money for a large proportion of the game. Yeah, also, it. boys, uh, I think Jesse Lingard owes a great debt of gratitude to Peter Chioso from that game because 
Peter Keogh said had him in his pocket all game. And then he gets the move to West Ham and has a good season. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Was it Rashford and Greenwood that come on with about five minutes to go and we yeah, were doing all right until then? Well, they had we? to put the big guns on, didn't they? To yeah. the That's it. We, we, we were doing absolutely fine until then. But um, yeah, like Simon said, let a couple of goals in late on, which were a bit disappointing. Not as disappointing as the following game, though, Tony, when we went there for the first mm. time in 15 years or so. And well... Well, we didn't go there, did we? That was the point, unfortunately. It didn't turn up that day. Yeah, I mean, it, oh, God, right from the word go, it was just a total disaster, wasn't it? I think we only had one strike on goal, didn't we? I mean, that's when Colo hit the bar. And then they went straight down the other end and uh, we basically, near enough, scored the goal for them, didn't we? And there was just nothing. Nobody was up for it. You know, it was... Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to depress myself by thinking about it again, Kev, but uh, it, it was a total letdown for us. You know, something you've been waiting for for a long time and uh, nobody was up for it at all. So, you know, luckily enough, we, we moved on, we, we recovered from it. That is true. Yeah, I guess if, you know, anyone had said at the start of the season, you're going to win two of the first three, you're going to be nicely high up in the table, six points from nine. Everyone would be happy days, but of course, because the loss was the one that it was, a little bit disappointing. But actually, you look back now, and that Barnsley win on the opening day of the season don't look too bad at all, given that they finished, you know, fifth in the table and um, and looked a pretty decent side. Uh, let's move into October. Uh, one of the themes of the early stage of the season was an absolutely chronic schedule, wasn't it? And uh, six more games uh, came and went in. In October, we should mention the win over Wickham just for Tony because I'm sure he enjoyed that. Um, I did more than oh, any win over there, I enjoy, mate. More than most that put us on nine points out of 12, but then it went a little bit pear shaped from there onwards. We only won one more game that month, but James, it's a significant game for me the win at Sheffield Wednesday, not just because Pelly Rodder Companzu had a brilliant game that day, but it was the debut of what we now know to be a potential superstar. Yeah. Um... I have to admit, I held my hands up then and went, uh, I couldn't have foreseen how he, how he, how he would turn out, Kim and Drew's behold from that game. Um, obviously, he was just coming into the team, so it takes a bit of adjustment. But uh, um, <clears throat> I've said that a, few, a fair few times over the course of the history, most notably when Isaac Wissell turned up at Bedford Town in pre-season. I went, well, they're not going to sign that trialist. <laughs> then, then look what happened. So... Um, but yeah, um, good to meet Sheffield Wednesday as well, considering the um, run, run, run of results we've had against them of, in recent seasons, where they've never really played better than Luton, but just about one, I think. So yeah, um, and obviously to, to bounce back from those defeats, at, um, the two goals defeats at Millwall and um, and Stoke. Obviously that, that Millwall game as well was the one where Carlo got um, coronavirus, so couldn't play. So that was a uh, bit of bad luck for him and um, <clears throat> probably affected him for a little bit, I would imagine. Yeah, and it was Danny Hilton who led the line at Sheffield Wednesday that day, wasn't he? And he had a chance quite early on, uh, could have scored. But, um, first minute, first minute when it came. First minute, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, really good. Really good performance from the town that day, though, and actually quite an entertaining game at Hillsborough, which is not always the case when we go there, is it? And Simon, we followed that up with the most one side, well, one of the most one sided draws of the season in front of the TV cameras at home to Nottingham Forest. They were down to 10 men quite early, weren't they? Uh, 
first half or so they were there. They had a man sent off around about half time, if memory serves. Tackle on Martin Craney, I think. I'm, That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm entering James mode here. I'm, I'm stretching the um, barrels of my memory, but one-one. Uh, Led at half time. Uh, did Glen Ray score an own goal in that game? Yeah, he scored might both have, ends, didn't he? Yeah, I think mm. he might have done so. Um, but th- that, that was a theme that was to follow for the next few months, as it actually wasn't it? There were a few home games that we dominated but didn't get over the line in starting with that Forest game. Yeah, that's right. As you say, it was very one sided, one all draw. And you think, as you said, with going down to 10 minutes just before half time, you'd, you'd go on for the second half already being that one goal in the lead from Glen Ray. But it was just one of those frustrating um, second halves and, uh, you know, that own goal sort of summed up the evening in the end and we only took a point. But, uh, you know, it's, it's strange now looking back that you're, you're disappointed that you've only taken a point against Nottingham Forest. And, you know, there's certainly Luton now are putting themselves in the championship where we are we were hoping and expecting to win that game, that particular game. And um, it's great that we're feeling in that position now, you know. We haven't got to go back too many years when we we weren't even dreaming of playing in the championship against the likes of uh, Forest and the other big team, you know, other big teams in the in the division. Yep, spot on. I mean, the good thing, Tony, wasn't a blinding month, but it wasn't a bad one. We kept our heads above water, kept ourselves well away from any trouble. And um, I think we were all pretty content at the end of October. Yeah, I think so, because, I mean, I, I think if you look at that period there, it sort of cements in my mind one of the differences between us now and, and the season before, because a lot of those games where we drew last season, the season before, I should say, we, we would have lost those games. And that I think that's one of the things I picked up from, as I said, differences in the side, is this time we seem to have a different mindset and mentality um, and the players are more up to it. And, that, and that you can see they've definitely learned from that first season in the championship. And, you know, the definite improvement in, in the likes of Sluger, for example, using him as, a, as, a, as an example. And uh, you've seen the steady progression there. So that month, again, I, I think was just a, an, another rung on that ladder to where we want to be. Yep, absolutely. Fixtures sort of flattened out a little bit um, throughout November. There was the first international break of the season, wasn't there, um, during that month. So it's only five games. In November, and actually, James, we started it really well. I'm beating in the first four. One of my favourite games of that month was the one at Rotherham, where Simon seemed to have a bullseye on his chest because the goalkeeper kept on kicking absolutely everything into the middle of the stand. It was, uh, it was, it's unbelievable um, what, what what was happening there. But Colo scored the winner for us uh, from a Luke Berry free kick, didn't he? Um, to win that game one nil, and then three one sided one one draws, which goes back to what I was saying earlier about the draw against Forest. We dominated against Huddersfield, against Blackburn and against Birmingham, but just could not find a winning goal, particularly that Birmingham game. I still don't know to this day how we didn't win that. No, it was it was a really disappointing one, that one, because they were so on top. It, it, those three games and, and the Forest one, they were a theme really throughout the whole season because Nathan always referred back to them as, you know, thinking that they should be a couple of points higher, maybe a couple of positions higher because they they played so well, so couldn't put them away. I guess we'll come back to this later in the in the podcast, uh, uh, sort of how Luton can improve. But um, you looked at those games, and, and so there's some definite examples there where they where they can, or where they, what they can change, or what they can do to improve on twelfth. Yeah, six points from the first four games of that month, but it ended disastrously. Simon with an absolute batter in it at Cardiff, which 
did not get going at all that day. No, that's right. I mean, it wasn't great, was it? And uh, I mean, two early goals basically killed the game, didn't they? Inside ten minutes, and you know, it was uh, it was a frustrating afternoon when when you're two 0 down at that that early that early on. You know, it's going to be a tough battle. You know, since then we've seen turnarounds, haven't we? From two down at half time, and you know, this, this happened a couple of times later in the season. But uh, at that point, you know, I don't think uh, there was you know we were much getting back into it. I don't think we even had a shot on target in that game from memory. Um, it was just one of those. It's most disappointing because at that time Cardiff hadn't hit that form that they hit that ended them up in the uh, up in the playoffs. Wales wasn't actually a happy hunting ground for us, Tony. Really, was it? Because we went and lost at Swansea the following week. But there was an important moment in the season in between those two games where the turnstiles opened and uh, thousand fans went in to watch the town against Norwich City. Norwich, we now know, are champions. They didn't look a champion side that night. In fact, if someone had told you that one of the two teams that night was going to win the league and you didn't know who was who, you'd have probably backed us to win the league. We were brilliant that night. Yeah, we were. We were fantastic. And uh, I, I remember that game more of the George Moncur show, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to get into the game that night and it was fantastic to, to see supporters back in the ground. Uh, and, you know, considering there was, you know... If, not that many supporters there. Um, the noise and the atmosphere was great on the night. And yeah, we, we made Norwich look very, very average, um, beating them for the second time this season and um, highly enjoyable. Um, you know, it just shows you the potential that this team has got when they turn it on, and what they can do. Um, and it's just, you know, we, we want to get to that level of consistency that obviously Norwich has shown over this season um but it was a highly enjoyable night and it, and it was a special night so um you know I, I think um sooner the better next season comes and, and we can get a full full ground again it'd be brilliant yeah absolutely one of the podcasts um before the norwich game somebody making quite a bold prediction that got mocked on that particular occasion just no, I think I think your imagination. I don't know, what you're, away with you I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, we, uh, you know, fair play. We gave you credit for it at the time. It was a wonderful shout. That game. I, actually, I can't believe this, Kev. He's still milking it, isn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, when, when you only get when you only get one thing right, you know, in the season, you know, you've yeah. got to milk it, and yeah, I mean, law of averages, he's bound to get at least one right. You know? <laughs> that's what you got to do. He did, he did give me a prediction for the return game, though, did he? I noticed. So um, that was that was great. Quit while you're ahead. That was my motto. <laughs> <laughs> James, that night actually was um, as good as the night was for um, everyone being back in the stadium and everything. It actually delivered one of the funniest pictures of the season, didn't it, with Luke Berry? seemingly hugging the referee when he gave us a penalty, which was a Stonewall penalty. If you'd only just been shown that picture as kind of a meme on Twitter, you'd be like, what on earth's gone on here? It just it was just funny. Yeah, seeing yellow cards for less, haven't we, really? <laughs> the, whole, the whole evening was absolutely wonderful. I knew it at the time when you saw that amount of people in because we've not had fans in for so long and then we've not had fans in... Um, well, after the Preston game since. And it's only really when you look back on it and realise how wonderful that was and, and how excited I kind of am for next season. And also we're sort of looking back on it really. It's like the season was 
was wonderful. It was great in terms of what Luton Town achieved, but in terms of a spectacle, it just missed just missed something. It was lacking, and um, you know there were points that I, I didn't enjoy it sometimes because the fans weren't there. It's such a big part of it for me is the the theatre of it all, um, and when you're just hearing players knocking around in empty stadiums and not knowing what to do when they celebrate and stuff, it's it's um, it sort of takes takes a large part of the thrill out of it. So the sooner that fans come back, the better. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that in the playoffs in the FA Cup final, haven't we, the uh, impact that fans have. I mean, you say you say it wasn't enjoyable. Well, I've just I've mentioned the uh, Swansea game a minute ago, but then the following game, Simon, at Coventry, I mean, it's what I say at Coventry, at Birmingham against Coventry. I mean, Jesus Lord, we could still be playing there now and that, that game was nil-nil. What a terrible game of football that was. Yeah, you take the positive, it was a clean sheet away from home, don't you? That was about it. Yeah, the only other positive was the referee didn't forget his whistle and blew it for full time, thankfully. Uh, but it was all good again the following game tone when, um, as James just said, the turnstiles opened again, this time to 2,000 fans uh, for the Preston game. Now, Preston Preston were one of those sides at the time that, you know, you, they were going along OK, weren't they? And you were like, mm, this could be a tricky game. But you could just tell the impact that the fans had. The players were superb from start to finish. And um, one of our most convincing wins of the season. Yeah, definitely. And like the Von Kerr show before, this was very much the James Collins show, wasn't it? Um, you know, it was great. And I don't think I've seen the side, you know, press and Harry a team and put as much effort in as I, I, I've seen for a long time with that game. Uh, and and I, I very much feel that that put a, a marker down. That was the point in the siege when we said, you know what, we're an established championship side because that was the view with Preston, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, Preston are one of these teams, they seem to have blown hot and cold um, apart, you know, across this season. And uh, I thought, you know, a great performance in front of the fans and it, it, the people that were there, it certainly seemed to give them a lift. And, um you know, we, we then looked at it and we're going into the you know the rest of the season, you know, really, really happy and with a lot to look forward to. So, you know, as we said earlier, this this, this season has been a lot different. We haven't had to look over our shoulder at uh, relegation and that's a lovely position to be in, isn't it? Certainly was. Yeah, four games rounded off 2020. Um, an unlucky defeat at Middlesbrough. Um, James Wen. Uh, obviously, there we we had the situation with James Collins kicking the ball twice for the penalty kick. Which um, is, a bon- is a bonkers rule, by the way. And I, I don't know if we had a go at, at it at it out at, at the time, but the more I think about it, uh, well, it came about because I was thinking about some of the goals uh, and, and events that happened with Collins once he left. But um, it's such a bonkers rule. If the goalkeeper comes off his line, he gets to take it again. If somebody encroaches, he gets to take it again. Fella slips over and it double kicks. Mm. That's it. It's just mental. It's, it's, not, it's not something that happens very often, obviously. But it's the only one that's an accidental. It's the only thing that's an accidental occurrence, and it's the one that's penalised the worst. Yeah, you know, yeah. encroaching and coming off your line are deliberate acts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's madness. And yeah. I mean, there's and lots of, of things. It that, wasn't actually noticed things. by the referee on the night either, was it? It was no. It was noticed by uh, the referee uh, in the home dugout, unfortunately, which was um, made it all the worse. Graham Jones returned in the following game, 
James there with his Bournemouth side. Another draw that actually you could make a decent claim for with a chance late on that we could easily have won that game. Yeah, but again, if you're sort of looking at the grand scheme of things, to take four points off the Bournemouth side, which were uh, you know, riddled with great, with fantastic players that should have gone up and um, messed that one up royally, didn't they? Um, it, it's, it's an achievement. The only, the only annoyance of that scenario is not that Bournemouth stayed down, but the fact that they're going to still benefit from parachute payments. So they're you know, they failed by getting relegated. They failed on their objective to get up and they're still going to have more money than everyone else. Yeah, it, it, at least it does prove that sometimes money isn't everything, is it? That's the thing. Uh, we'll gloss over the Boxing Day game because nothing ever, go, ever good comes out of Reading. Um, Bristol City at home, though, Simon, another Keenan and Dewsbury Hall masterclass. There were many. I reported on that game for James and uh, that was one of the more special ones. Yeah, indeed, and it was it was needed, wasn't it? Just after uh, those couple of results going against us, and uh, you know it was a good good two one win. Um, Dewsbury Hall with the winner, a nice nice strike, and Glenn Ray scoring at one end. But again, typically there was no goal at the other end again. So uh, you know, not not many occasions did Glenn score, and there wasn't a known goal from somebody at the other other end. But yeah, no, that's true. And I also remember the Bristol City manager watched a completely different game to everybody else that night. We did deserve to win that, contrary to what he said. Um, we head into January now. Um, Yet again, Reading in the Cup has seemed to be a theme throughout the season. Uh, knocked that off nicely with a wonderful goal from George Moncur. Um, But in terms of the league, there was only one sort of standout moment in January, really, um, Tony. And that was when we went to the Vitality Stadium. And yet again, Kean and Dewsbury Hall came up with the goods at Bournemouth. Oh, yeah. And it was a cracking goal as well. And... A lot of credit came from that game because, as you said, they were they were one of the favourites to go up at the start of the season, and um, you know we we just looked so comfortable in that game, and they never looked like scoring, to be honest. And um, just a, a, another game that shows you how far we've come, and uh, it was a great performance, and uh, I I particularly enjoyed it, and it, it, it's great to see that talent, the way he's come on, and. You know, I think he's been one of the best loan signings that Luton have ever had that I can certainly remember. Certainly one that's been consistent and done it across most of the season. So um, another masterclass, as you say. And a, yeah. a very pleasing performance. Not the player of the season, which was surprising, but we'll come on to that uh, in a little while. The rest of that month, James, was... Uh, it was a story of good performances and results not actually matching the sort of um, performances. I thought we deserved something at Brentford, albeit they went ahead quite early on. We gave Chelsea a good run for their money and until they played Leicester in the final, we were the only team to score against them in that competition. And I'm still sitting here today mystified how we lost to Blackburn. Um, shed some light on some of those three. Yeah, I mean, the Brentford one, I thought, I was at that game and they... Um considering the, the thumping that uh, Brentford dished out the, the previous season, albeit a different stadium this time, um, and, and the result earlier in the season, obviously, was quite comprehensive, then that game should have never finished 1-0, I don't think. Um, there were so many chances, and again, it's the sort of, where can Luton improve? It's, well, if you're going to create that many chances against a really good team like Brentford, 
yeah, it, it, was, it was an impressive performance, something to be positive about, even though it was defeat. And um, uh, Chelsea, I don't think anyone really expected to get anything out of that, even though, you know, after they went 2 0 led, it was a much more improved performance after that. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the Blackburn, where do we even start with that one? Um, <laughs> it, I'm sitting here still wondering how we how, how it was one 0 in that game um, because it was just just an awful bit to end really wasn't it right at the end just not paying attention um, and then you let in at that time I think he was the deadliest striker in the division on the Armstrong so of course it's going to end up in the net but uh, yeah it's it's one of those where you just you just think how how has that happened. I thought at the time and you're still wondering six months later or how long it is. And the good thing is it didn't matter, which we now know. That's the that's the important thing. We move into February, Simon, a month where actually those defeats to Blackburn, to Brentford and um, to QPR earlier in January kind of just started having people looking over their shoulder, didn't it? But, um, you know, obviously the January transfer window came and went. We signed uh, Cal Naismith during that month, we signed Tom Ince, we signed Elijah Adebayo, who we're going to be talking about an awful lot for the next sort of period of this podcast, particularly at the end of this particular month. And um, started to turn around, didn't it? Draw against Huddersfield, another one of those home games which we absolutely dominated. And for the life of me, I don't know how we would, how we didn't win. Beat Birmingham in a real bitty game. I think it was Potts' only goal of the season, if I'm right. And we'll obviously come on to him shortly as well. And then uh, we'll gloss over the sort of defeat against Cardiff. They were really good that night, weren't they, Cardiff, under Mick McCarthy. We didn't turn up at Stoke. Millwall was yet another one of those draws that we kind of dominated but didn't win. But the real sort of, I don't know if it's a turning point in the month, turning point or whatever it was, but that last game of February, you touched on it earlier, didn't you? We went 2-0 down to Sheffield Wednesday. And then something clicked, something changed for the rest of the season from that second half. Yeah, indeed it did. And I think it was important that it did at that point, because as you've said, February hadn't been a great month. Um, you know, two home one-all draws and a defeat. I mean, the, the one-all draws, I think it was six in the league um, all season at home, you know, and, and that is drop points. And at that point, going into that Sheffield Wednesday game, I think we were in the lowest position that we've been in, 17th. So, you know, you were needing a victory to just ease that little bit of pressure from looking behind. And, you know, that... It, talk about football cliches, game of two halves. I mean, that absolutely, totally was. And, you know, at half time you think not a chance we're getting anything from this. And then during the second half, as it progressed, you thought we're going to do something here. Um, and all credit to them, you know, great substitutions, changing the game at half time, really went at them. And as you've mentioned, two of the new signings, finding the back of the net um, as well. Obviously, Adebayo had scored against Millwall in the game before, but Naismith with his first, Ryan Tunnicliffe with, a, with the equaliser as well. And then Adibayo with the winner. And, um, you know, that that's one of those other games where you just can't imagine what the atmosphere would have been like with uh, a full house at Kenilworth Road. But, um, no, as you said, a turning point because, it, you know, we had been starting to slide um, from mid-table, down, as I say, down to 17th. But that game, really, that, that was the, the onwards and upwards from there. It certainly was, yeah. I was reporting for James's website for that game. And at half-time, I was like, how on earth am I going to describe this? And then thankfully the second half turnaround made it a much easier report to write. 
than it might otherwise have been. Um, Tony, we go into March. We've never, never, we never win at the city ground, do we? You know, as a Luton fan, you just go there, great city, Nottingham, and but, but Luton never win there. But hey, we did this time around. Ryan Tony Cliff again, the hero. Really good performance, actually. A better performance than a one 0 win suggested. Yeah, it, it was one of those games. We definitely deserved to win it, but again, we looked like we weren't going to concede at all. Um, and you know, we we look a lot stronger at the back, and and it was a well taken goal as well. Um, and and that's sort of brilliant to see the fact that you know we are harder to beat, even though we've suffered some crazy defeats if you look at it, but. You always feel that this time that the, the, the team are capable of pulling something out of the bag that they've done a, a, a few times this season. And uh, it was a great performance. And to win at the city ground was fantastic as well. As you say, it's not it's not a good ground for us there. I think I can only remember one one win there from years ago. Um, but hey-ho, you know, three points in the bag and... Uh, just showed you again what I said earlier about you know we're learning and we're, we're getting there we really are yeah uh, there was nothing we could have done away to Norwich we ran into an absolute storm they were in the real peak of their sort of powers yeah. to um, to win the championship the and, following and, game you know, when, when, when you've got a a, a a striker of that class in uh, you know in Pukki up front I mean he was just on fire that day yeah we did we, we had no answer I thought we gave the a decent account of ourselves, but they were a bloody good side. Swansea in the following game, I don't I don't think we deserve to lose that. But as James says, once they get ahead of a team, they can ball the pants off you. Um, but we finished March off very well, James. Um, nice win against Coventry. Fortunate win against Coventry. I think we have to admit they could have had equally as many goals as we could have had in that game. But the one I really want to touch on, we never win at Preston either. <laughs> but hey... Having won at Nottingham Forest, we thought, hell, we may as well go and win at Preston as well. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah, and one nil away as well, wasn't it? It was the theme um, for, theme, for, yeah. for so many of the away wins. Um, no better than going somewhere else, somewhere else that you haven't won particularly for a long time and just putting the one pass and coming under the points. Is there, so. And of course, you love him, so you're giving Colo the goal that day, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I think it's madness again that they haven't given that to him. I mean, I know, I know obviously it bounces off the goalkeeper's midriff and goes in, goes in. But for him to steer that on target from such an acute angle, that's got to be it. That's on target, isn't it? No, disagree with you, James. It wasn't on target. Had one thing we should say though: it was a bloody blinding save from Dewsbury Hall uh, yeah. that, that got it in, into that position because uh, that was one of those games we, you know. You, it was it was like if we hadn't suffered those one one draws earlier in the season, you'd have been really confident that we were going to win that game. But the longer it went and went, it was just oh, this is going to be another one of those games. And uh, fortunately, it wasn't. Um, which we, which which was good because we headed into an international break on a high. But as Nathan said after that international break, we don't come out of them too well, which was a bit of a concern and Easter was a non-event with a defeat to Derby, which obviously, as you've just heard, would have irked James uh, even more. Also, that, that result that result kept him up, basically. It, it did. It did. Well, at least we get to um, beat them again next season. Uh, lost at home to Barnsley as well. Probably a deserved one. I thought they were pretty good on the day. And then, Simon, we came to Tony's favourite fixture, Wickham away, and it was another one of these games of two halves. We weren't 2-0 down this time, but 
the first half was absolutely terrible. I mean, you was there alongside Craig McHale-Smith and he couldn't believe what he was watching. You probably had a sore neck for what you was watching. and But luckily, we brought the footballers on in the second half and turned that around nicely. And the highlight, obviously, which we now know, the goal of the season winner, to put us in front. Yeah, indeed. I mean, again, it was another one of those games, wasn't it, that uh, we needed to, to, to do something to turn it around and take capitalise uh, and uh, take advantage and you know again it didn't look as though we were going to when they uh, scored the penalty but you know as you said the changes again and that shows what the strength and depth in squad makes such a difference as well that you can bring on players that just give you something a little bit different change things around and you know all credit to all of them that came on you know Nathan refers to them as game changers and they certainly were weren't they I mean some great goals as well in there uh, and that was the key thing, you know, Monker with a, a cracking free kick, Luwalawa's effort, albeit off balance, but uh, he struck it superbly. And from the press um, box view, it, you know, we were right behind it all the way and you could just see it straight in the top corner. Um, and then Adibayo uh, with a header as well. So, you know, it, it's another great victory. And, you know, it's amazing to think what a run we're going on at Wickham now with uh, not having uh, lost a match there, a competitive game against them there. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those grounds that we seem to really enjoy. Um, what's Tony nice, be delighted to know that yeah, we're not what's, what's nice as well is a lot of the, the games we've won there, we've scored uh, winners, equalisers and winners in, in the last few minutes. Mm. You know, and it, it was a shame we weren't there because um, you remember a few seasons ago when, when we won 2-1 and we scored two goals in the last uh, three minutes of the game. Yeah, Cuthbert and Collins, wasn't it? Yeah, and, you know, the looks on their fans' faces from shit elation to dejection on the way out was fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and I think James touched on the fact that um, Derby stayed up because of beating us. Well, you could also argue that Wickham went down because they lost the lead on that game. Because if I they'd never, have held on, they'd have stayed up. I never thought of that, Simon, and that made me feel even better now. <laughs> Yeah, we've not lost in, Wickham. And, we're in an uh, impossible situation now, though, isn't we? If this goes to the courts, if uh, mm. if Derby get the, the points stopped or don't get the points stopped, and Wickham take them there, and um, I don't want either of them to be in the division, to be honest. But there you go. Yeah, relegate four of them, or, <laughs> or maybe keep Rotherham up because at least if we get to go to Grants next season, he is a new one. Uh, we won't be losing to Wickham anytime soon, though. That's that's a fact because uh, obviously they got relegated. That was actually the start of a six-game unbeaten run towards the end of the season um, that, would, that would only end on the last day of the season. Um, but Tony, I've got to come on to the next one. We've we've spoken about uh, quite a few good performances over the course of the season, but we saved our best for the one that really, really mattered. The one against those down the road at home where we were superb from start to finish. Oh, God, yeah, we were. Oh, what a fantastic game. And if there's been any justice, we'd have won that three or four nil. Uh, I think it's got to be one of the biggest 1-0 batterings I've ever seen. <laughs> um, you know, our, our guys were well up for it right from the start. And I, I think Watford just didn't know how to cope with it. Um, I, that's the trouble with 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 teams like that who, who've got foreigners coming in. Uh, they, they have no idea of the passion and what it means. Um and uh, it was absolutely wonderful. And, and again, you know, you, you've got to take your hat off to uh, James Collins for coming on like that and first touch of the ball scoring. You know, it, it, it was great. And uh, the, the feeling you got from that, and it's certainly OK, yeah, they got promotion at the end of the season, fine. But for me, that put me in their place. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Nice, you know. Absolutely. James, I mean, Tony's just touched on it there. I mean, he did miss some penalties this season, didn't he, Colo? But he had balls of steel that day and made sure he didn't miss that. And his parting message, which we'll come on to uh, later, he referenced how important that penalty was to him as much as it was to us. It was just a great moment of the season. It was everything that the first game wasn't. Uh, it, the first game was sterile and nothing happened. And this one was, you know, rampage in action, but it was all one way. Um, yeah, Tony's right. It should have been far more than 1-0. But the way it turned out, you'll take that all day long. And, you know, a, a late penalty, Collar coming off the bench, first touch, and then the, the other lot going down the other end and having about five seconds of uh, fun until the linesman's flag went up, which I thought was... Uh, Ultimately, that, that was funny, James. But at the time when that went in, you're thinking, oh, with all the other games that had finished 1-1, one, one, yeah. one, you think, oh, my God. But again, you know, it was hilarious, you know. And he was quite clearly offside, so, you know. And it was him as well, wasn't it? It had to be him. Simon, you was alongside Basher in the commentary box that day. I mean, he must have been kicking and heading every football and it must have been an experience. Yeah, I mean, he's incredible to have alongside in the uh, co-commentary, as have, you know, several of the others that uh, have been with me this season. But yeah, Basher, obviously uh, famous for his goal against them as well, added to the uh, enjoyment of that particular fixture. But uh, yeah, incredible game, as we've said, and uh, fantastic that uh, we took the three points. And as James said, you know, total contrast to the match at Vicarage Road. And then I guess the following game, home to Reading, was always going to be a bit after the Lord Mayor's show, wasn't it? They, they were... Technically, they were playing for the playoffs, but I don't think anyone actually went there that night thinking that they were ever going to catch Barnsley or anything. Nil-nil draw. At least said about that, the better. But, James, the following one, it's another one of these games where, um, you know, we're not in a good position, are we, at half-time? And then, yet again, we turn it around in the second half and it was probably most remembered for Harry Cornick actually finding the back of the net at Bristol City. Obviously, it was Keane and Dewsbury Hall show in that second half and, boy, was it a Keane and Dewsbury Hall show. But it was good of Harry to get off the, you know, it's good for him to get off um, the score sheet, on the score sheet, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I mean, long long overdue. Um, I mean, he admitted himself it had been bothering him, hadn't it? But, um, you know, he had he had such a good goal-scoring season the season before, but albeit playing in a different position. He's been out wide. I think his assists were right up there, weren't they, um, in, in the division? Um, well, we've got the man on who'd probably be able to tell us for certain. Yeah, Sissy had eight, eight for us in all competitions this season. Harry won more than um, Keane and Dewsbury Hall. Pelly was next on five. Yeah, so it, you know, it did, it did his bit there. I mean, <laughs> both both Dewsbury Hall and Cornick probably should have had more assists if uh, the rest of the boys could stick it in the net because <laughs> they they set up quite a few. But um, no, you could see the relief on Cornick's face when he when he did that in and. Um, yeah, it's, it's another one of these games where it sort of put, laid the ghost to rest of the previous season because yeah. that afternoon, the season before at Bristol City, was miserable from the word go. So mm. it, it turned out turned it out this time. I think it, you know, it, it, as well as that, James, it, it seemed to mean a lot to the other players as well that Harry scored. You know, I know they were celebrating because it was a winning goal and everything else, but the way they were congratulating them all round them and everything, I think it meant a lot to them as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a long, long old run to go without... It was, what, 45 games without a goal? Um, 
So, yeah, relief all round, I think. And mm. yeah, it's one of those where you you just would like to have been there, you know. Um, but yeah, it wasn't to be. Yeah, you're right. It would would have been lovely uh, to have been there. Funnily enough, I must admit, I did think at half time that one was turner was able to be turned around. I didn't think that for the Sheffield Wednesday game because we were absolutely shocking in that first half. But as you mentioned, that Dewsbury Hawks should have had some assists. There was one in one game in that month, wasn't there, where he rolled it on a plate for Nombe. Somehow, somehow it didn't go in the back of the net. May then, um, Simon. Really and truly, it was all about where we we're going to finish in May, wasn't it? It wasn't, you know, we were perfectly safe. We were officially safe. We were mathematically safe. Could we sneak into the top 10? We all wanted a top half finish. That was guaranteed um, when we drew 1-1 um, against Middlesbrough. Yet another one of these 1-1 draws that we'd come out of thinking, how did we not win that? Yeah, it was, as we said earlier, so many at home, you know, six out of the seven were were at home. Only one away was at Huddersfield, um, at least in this game when Glenn Ray scored, somebody didn't score an own goal at the other end. But um, we did concede immediately, didn't we? Which was the frustration because you did feel at that particular time we were on top. And, you know, I think we would have gone on, you know, if we could have just held on to that for a little longer. Um, we, we, you know, we'd got the upper hand. We were playing well and it was the frustration that... Uh, we conceded so quickly down the other end and we never really got back into it again then, did we? And, you know, that was their only shot on target. And that was the pleasing thing towards the end of the season was we were restricting um, teams to uh, limited chances. I mean, we did with Watford and Reading and in that game, you know, then obviously kept a clean sheet against Rotherham. So, you know, that that was, for me, that was one of the, the real positives, um, aside from what was a good run of results, was the fact that we were denying other teams goal-scoring opportunities. Yeah, it's a good point, Tony, because a lot of the times, you know, particularly in a condensed season, no pre-season, no summer before it, when you're safe and everything's fine, so easy for players just to have switched off and gone on the beach. And actually, there was a few accusations of that, and I must admit, I levelled myself at it uh, around Easter time, particularly with the Derby game. But that wasn't the case, actually. They they fought back and they they played right to the end of the season, and credit to everyone for that. Yeah, it definitely is. I, I, and I think uh, a lot of that's got to go down to Nathan Jones as well, because he, he, I don't think he's one of these managers that will let them switch off. He, he wants to do it as well as possible. And I, I think that he's, in, he's instilled that throughout the team. Um, and it was good to see. But the, I can't remember who was it. Was it Joe Canary said that at the end of the season, if you put a good run together you got more chance of starting the following season on a similar sort of run. And I think that's maybe the, the attitude and the mentality, but um, no, I'm glad they, uh, they kept it going and uh, got the top half finish that we wanted. Yeah, certainly. Obviously we took last season's form mm. into the start of this one. And hopefully we do that uh, in the next one season ended in disappointment at QPR, but you know, that was just a game too far. Everyone knew the writing was on the wall by then. And that was absolutely how it was, we'll just have to end our long unbe- our long winless run there next season, which will yeah. be good. Um, let's talk about some key performance then, James. We've probably been a little bit guilty on this podcast, particularly in light of the fact that he's just won the player of the season. Um, not picking up Simon Sluger enough. And uh, I guess one of the reasons why we've not picked up Simon Sluger enough is because we've now settled into a position as a, as a group on this podcast, whereby we expect good things from him. And when we get good things from him, they don't kind of stand out quite as much as they did last season when it was a bonus when we got good things from him in that first six months. Yeah, I was totally 
totally turned it around, hasn't he? Simon Slugi is one of the most consistent, best performers. Um, you know, the amount of clean sheets that the club have had this season, I'm sure Simon will correct me, I think it's 18, isn't it? Like um, it's pretty impressive. Um, he, he, he was pulling off great saves the, pre- the previous season, but he was mixing it in with absolute clangers, wasn't he? And there's none of that this season. You just feel, feel completely safe with him. Um, whether that's you know coming to collect the ball in the air, uh, you know his his shot stopping is good, his decision making, um, he's organising the defence. So you could hear that at the grounds when there's obviously no fans in there. So um, yeah, it just seems like he's settled in. I think he said that, didn't he? He's one and only interview in two years. Um, it's sort of suggested that he that he has. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that's the case. Um, just makes just makes such a difference having someone of his calibre um, and uh, and one that's cut out any sort of nervousness really just looks right at home in the championship and you know the only the only way's up for him now if 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 he's one day he won't be at Luton and I fully believe he'll go up to the Premier League or a top European club. So um it's looking like a wonderful bit of business to get him in for you know 1.3 million. Um, Certainly is, yes. I mean, you kind of get the feeling that that save at Wigan last season was a real, real turning point. It's been very, very, very good since then. Maybe not the eye-catching save that that one was in the last minute of that game, but just a, a an all-round composed, calmer aura about him, isn't he? He was a little bit sort of frenetic to start off with and just turned himself into the goalkeeper that we clearly thought and knew that we'd signed. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, he'd been building up to it, um, you know, last season, hadn't he, with um, the performances uh, in, uh, in the new year. And, you know, the, the, that save against Wigan was probably the, the end of, you know, that, that really good spell before the break. And he made that fantastic save and he just, you know, has hardly put a foot or even a hand wrong since then, has he? I mean, I'm struggling to recall, you know, a clanger this year that I can think of that's led to a goal and, you know, you've just been far more confident. He's been very settled. The defence has, you know, generally been far more settled this season. And, you know, he's really put in the performances week in, week out. He's made some terrific saves. And, you know, I think, you know, the save at Chelsea, the penalty against Werner, you know, is was a highlight for him. And, I, you know, that was great for him to have done that on national TV. Um, and I really do hope he gets the opportunity at the Euros. Uh, his game time is possibly going to be limited, but the experience for him will just, uh, you know, is reward for what's been, a, you know, a really good 18 months or so um, for the Hatters. Yeah, sit on the bench for the first one, Simon, and then um, work your way into the starting lineup uh, there on there on after. Uh, I'm glad Werner doesn't play for Luton. That bloke is terrible. They've spent 50 million on him. Jesus Lord. Uh, Tony, worthy recipient, really, of the player of the season. I know that when we, we, we all gave our player of the season last month, didn't we? We picked Dewsbury Hall and that's fine, but mm. nobody can argue against Saluga getting it. No, not at all. Um, it's been fantastic. I mean, you know, there's not really a lot more I can add to what Simon and, and James have said, but you know, if, if you look at him right from the word go, he, he, one of his strong points has always been his distribution and his kicking. You know, he, his kicking's good. You, you look, how many times does he kick the ball out? Out, you know, gives it away. You know, you can see the players are confident in passing the ball back to him now. 
um, you know, uh, to get themselves out of trouble, which you'd have thought at first, you know, last season with that back pass at, um, at Derby, you'd have thought the players had lost all trust in him, but not now. Um, but one of the areas I think he's improved in his game as well, if you look at his, uh, his cross-handling and his punching as well, was a lot better as well. We could, you've always seen he's a good shot stopper. And I think he thoroughly deserved it. And I think the 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 only player that sort of came would have come close to getting it from him was Kieran Kieran Dewsbury Hall. But I think it's well deserved. It it it's fantastic to see, and well done to the guy for for turning it turning it around from what was a dreadful start. Got yeah, we've got to respect to that interview that James mentioned earlier as well because that was really really good. Uh, Obviously, you can tell quite clearly that he's a team man and it's not all about him. But actually, this season, in the eyes of the fans, it was all about him. James, Tony's just mentioned Kean and Dewsbury Hall. I mean, let's be fair, this podcast has been a year's worth of Kean and Dewsbury Hall, and quite rightly so. But we should end the season talking about him again because he was just bloody brilliant. Yeah, he, he was. Um, you know, uh, Tony mentioned it earlier that it was one of the best loan signings. I think we had this discussion before. You know, when you put me on the spot, you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, just a just a general overall performance for the season. I know the impact that uh, Carter Vickers had the, the previous season, but um, for a young lad at 22 to run the show so often as he did um, was impressive enough. But he uh, created so many chances. It's it's scandalous, really, that he's not even in double figures for assists. The amount of chances he created because. Um, he laid it on the plate for many players. And they, I mean, we can't embed tweets on this podcast, can we? But there was the tweet that did the rounds that he's created more chances than, was it Ronaldo and Mbappe put together? Or um, yeah. certainly two of them, Neymar and um, Ronaldo, certainly two of the superstars of world football anyway. And, uh, you know, yeah. just back to what you're saying. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I'd like to know what the chances are, the class in those, and maybe it's just putting players through uh, I don't know if they were cl- they're obviously not clear cut I'm not saying he deserved 64 assists but uh, <laughs> you would begrudge him if he did because he's got he's got vision you can't shake him off the ball he's got this sort of diminutive stature that and I'm not comparing him to Maradona in this but he had that as well that he was so small low centre of gravity he couldn't get him off the ball um, you know he's going to go he's going to go far I don't think he's ever going to come back to Luton unless he's playing against them, unfortunately. But, I did. And, You'd love to see it, though, wouldn't you, James? Is I would it, absolutely love to. Yeah, Leicester have just had a bid put in for a midfield player, which somebody on Twitter put, um, you know, that, that could give you hope. I mean, you know, there's like 0.001% hope, I would, I would say, at the moment. But um, yeah, I, I can't see him coming back. I think that... That's likely to be Tillemans, isn't it? There's rumours all about yeah. him. Yeah. I'd say the only chance is if he wants to come and experience the Kenny for uh, a full Kenny for any period of time. But his career is more important than doing that, isn't it, really? I say added to his wonderful talents on the pitch. I mean, he, he was such a great player off it as well with his interviews, the way he spoke. And you could see what it meant to him. I mean, there's numerous footage where, you know, other players have scored and you can see the celebration even when he's on his own and he's going to join um, in with the rest of the teammates. He's, it just means so much to him and his passion was there for the club and he got stuck in and, you know, it's 
I'm not saying you don't see it from loan players, but there are times when a loan player is only there for a month or a short term and they don't really, they play, might play well, but they you never really feel that they're in with the club spirit at the same time. Um, but he's certainly, you know, he's endeared himself to everybody that um, loves Luton because of the way he's been on and off the pitch. You took the words right out of my mouth there. It was literally going to be the question that I was going to ask you because obviously we've seen it in interviews all the time. It's almost like he's a Luton player without mm. being a Luton player. And Tony, it's probably no surprise that he picked up the Players' Player of the Season award, picked up the Young Supporters' Player of the Season award. He picked up where well, we we knew he picked up the Ian Pearce Memorial Award because his home performances were just fantastic. And the Internet Player of the Season as well. So Luton fans worldwide absolutely loved him. And that's no surprise because he was just a joy to watch. Oh, fantastic player. And he's got a great future in the game. He really has bags of potential. And, and you know, such a mature head on him as well. You know, and uh, it, it, he's been a, a real pleasure to have in the team. I mean... When he first came in, you know, you look at it and people, I'd never heard of him. But then you look at what Blackpool fans were saying about him and how good he was. And when he got in and he found his feet and then, you know, he was, he was winning the Diamond Player of the Month practically every month, wasn't he? And, you know, a, 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 the guy is just a class act all round. And, um, you know... Luton fans have taken him into their hearts and it, it, touching on what Simon said it, when, and yourself said it, it's just a real shame that he probably won't be pulling on a Luton shirt in front of a full stadium. That's the one thing he, he wouldn't, you know, he won't experience. But I think whoever he plays for, if he does come back to Kenilworth Road playing for them, I think he'll get a fantastic reception. I really do. You know, you can't ask more than that for a player to come in on loan to a side um, that is not his parent club and to put in the effort and everything that that guy did, great. Again, another player you got the greatest respect for. And I, I wish him so much well in the future. Do you, do you think that if uh, if he comes back in a different shirt and scores, that he'd get the same reaction as James Chesson did? A JJ got. Mm. I don't know about that. Well, at the end of the day, JJ's one of our own. Did you see that YouTube, that clip of the video of them, the two of them celebrating uh, the cup win? That was yeah. nice to see, wasn't it? That yeah, was. Wembley, yeah. Great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, much as I'd love it, I'd, 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 like you, uh, James, I can't see him coming back. But, you know, you, you, you can dream, can't you? You can hope. Absolutely. We all we would all love to see him back in Luton Shirt. We're all pretty realistic enough to know that it's not likely. And if we don't see him back in Luton Shirt, we thank him for the fantastic um, season he's given us. And we wish him all the very best in his career because he will go very, very far. Right then, chaps, before we put this season to bed, your favourite moment of it? I'll come to you first, James. Um, are you going obvious or are you going to give me a, a different favourite moment? I have to go obvious, Kev, um, purely because uh, um, some of the other really standout moments, I was up the hospital one night when Adebayo scored the comeback winner against Sheffield Wednesday. I did report on some good <laughs> yeah. games, I must admit, you did give me some good yeah. ones to report on. Um, so I missed that one and um, uh, yeah, I, I didn't go as many, as many away games as I've liked, even though I paid my money and lost it on. I follow, but um, you know, having waited so long to cover a, a Luton Watford game, 
and you remember a couple of seasons ago when it got down to four teams in the cup draw and, and it was 50-50 and I was, I was so gutted that it didn't turn out that there was a derby in that. Um, so to, to, to get them um, this time around was, a, was a, a big, big thing and for it to be so long. I've, I've never reported on one ever, um, obviously, because of the changing fortunes of the two clubs and then suddenly they were level pegging. So the first game being at Vicarage Road was just one of the biggest letdowns other than like playoff final defeats and that sort of stuff just a regular league game letdowns was quite big but to turn it around and play so well I think it would have been scandalous if they didn't win that game but in the manner in which they did and for it to be James Collins it it was like it was so so close to fairy tale stuff he went and scored another goal didn't he but if that was his last ever goal in an open shirt, it would have been Roy of the Road stuff. Well, it was Roy of the Road stuff, wasn't it? It was just sensational. I, I mean, I all season I've been sat in in the director's box because of COVID. They've had to spread the press box out. And it's not a very big press box at Kenny Throws, people might know. So at least from that point of view, all the directors were behind me and they made a hell of a racket when the, when the goal went in. Was a great, great atmosphere. It, it, it made up for so much sort of silence um, over much of the season. Um, obviously, delighted to have had 10,000 people going absolute crackers in there, but um, you know, it's, a, it's just one of those games, one of those matches we just walk out of Kenworth and bouncing. It's great. Simon made a fair bit of noise uh, in front of you that um, <laughs> afternoon as well, actually. Yes, I was going mad in my in my living room where I was watching it and I could still hear his commentary over me going mad and I didn't have to tell you I'm particularly loud. Simon, are you going with that moment or are you going to give me a different one? Uh, I think, you know, any Luton fan, you know, that is the big game of the season, isn't it? And, you know, as James has touched on, the, the emotions of it all and, you know, Colo coming up to step up, having just come off the bench. Yeah, certainly, you know, you, you're going to pick that um, outright because of what it means to everybody at the football club. Um, what it means to fans and you know I think aside from that there are other things that on a normal season without playing Watford you'd be struggling to choose between because they're so good you know the wins at Bristol City at Preston and Nottingham Forest that we'd already said about we hadn't done in years the comeback against Sheffield Wednesday um, you know the first goal for Adebayo you know after signing I think you know for any young striker moving up the divisions and settling in that, that's important that they get off the mark and obviously the way he did that and then scoring the winner against Wednesday as well um, you know and there, there were some great moments you know aside from the Watford victory you know Monker's free kick the Wickham win you know there's there's a lot of great memories to take away from um, the season and um, you know but yeah I think You'd struggle to uh, to to put anything above beating Watford at home. Tony, are you making it a full house, or have you got a different favourite moment? Well, I've, I've there are a few throughout the season. I mean, I I, I like Collo's goal at Barnsley in the opener because I, I loved the move and I thought it was a cracking goal with thump into the top corner. Um, you know, I'm going to say Kaz's goal at uh, Wickham. Uh, I particularly enjoyed Um, I love Monker's goal at home to Norwich as well Um, but I am going to make it a a full house Uh, I I think you can't top that Um, it was just 
fantastic. And again, on that occasion, I was lucky enough to be in the ground. And uh, even the ground was empty. I think you could still hear everybody that was in it. And uh, when I listened to the game, I watched the game back on playback. I think uh, Simon outdid himself on decibel level, and certainly then then the Oxford game uh, uh, ten years or so ago that it was. Yeah. So yeah, it's got to be that. It's got to be that. And it's fantastic that uh, Colo's left us with that memory, isn't it? What about you? Are you going to make it a full house then, Kev? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm with Simon, really. I mean, it means so much. But actually, I only went to one game of football last season. And um, obviously, I'd have wanted to have gone to a lot more, but I did only go to one. And I've only been to one game of football now in going on 18 months. So, sorry, 15 months. So, um, the roar when the players came out of the tunnel for the warm-up against Norwich was a particular favourite moment of mine. I think Mick came out with them as well, didn't he? And he had tears in his eyes and uh, just told you everything that night about how special our club is and how much the fans mean to the players, how much the players mean to the fans. And yes, that Watford penalty kick, that penalty kick from James Collins is the moment of the season. But if I can have another one, it would <clears throat> it would be that. It was We waited so long to be there. It was just so great to be there. And like we've all said all throughout this podcast so far, we can't wait to be there again next season. Um, before we completely wrap up, when we were recording for the um, virtual presentation video, I managed to grab a few words on the season from the leading lights, uh, starting off with the town boss, Nathan Jones. Nathan, the two main sort of award winners at the presentation evening were Simon Saluga and Kieran Dewsbury Hall. Obviously, fans have recognised what they've brought to you on the pitch. Can you just give us an insight into what they've given you off the pitch in the dressing room, training ground, that sort of thing? Uh, two totally different characters, actually, um, but vital for, for the environment. I mean, Simon is uh, a quiet lad, gets involved with, with, with certain things in training, but around the place is very low maintenance, gets on with his life, is a wonderful family man, um, uh, but gets on with stuff. You know, we, we have a good relationship, Simon and myself. It's not as vocal as I have with, with others, but he doesn't need that, um, but he's done fantastically well, you know, at a, had a difficult first season and finished the season very strongly for me. And then he had a difficult sort of integration in, into the championship. But a lot of players would do that, especially move to different cultures and so on and so forth. But he's been wonderful. Um, a great guy to have around. Quite dry, but funny. Um, and as I said, is a consummate professional, trains hard, wants to get better, takes everything that you ask of him and, and tries to do it to the best of his ability and has demonstrated that he's a fantastic goalkeeper and, and the goalkeeper that, that, that was brought here because, as I said, his initial start was probably one where, where he's had to adapt um, to a difficult league and, and, and a new environment, but he's now showing the, the goalkeeper that, 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 that he is and, and we're delighted to have him. We're, we're not, we love him here. Um, for lots of different reasons, not all that we can say, um, but no, look, brilliant and, and thoroughly deserved because, you know, the defensive record, apart from a few games, you know, with like the Cardiff game or like a Brentford and Norwich game, our defensive record's been outstanding this season and, and a lot of that has been down to the to the security of our goalkeepers. And after I got the thoughts of the town boss, I got the thoughts of the captain, Sonny Bradley. Sonny, uh, you've just announced the... Um... Players' player of the season was Kieran Dewsbury Hall. Obviously, we've all seen the fantastic input he's had on the pitch. 
but I'm guessing there's more to him than just that. What's he brought to your dressing room? Yeah, there is. You know, there's a lot more to Keenan than probably what you see. Um, obviously, with his performances, um, if I'm, if any Luton fans are listening to me who watch, who watch the games regularly, then you probably don't need me to say too much. Um, you probably recognise how important and how good he, he has been this season. Um, but what you probably don't see is what he's like, you know, around the training ground, how he trains, um, and it's honestly, it's, it's first class. Um, if I'm totally honest, in the three years that I've been at the club, he's the best player I've seen. Um, the best player I've seen since I've been here, best in the three years that I've been here, but his, his attitude around him, he's, he's coming, um, he gets along with all the boys, um, he's always doing extras in training, um, his, his attitude, like I said, is first class and everything he does in the week, um, for me, is, is important and he goes out there on a Saturday and, and he puts it he puts it into play and um, he's a credit you know, to himself and I think Leicester are, are very, very lucky to have him and you know, in my opinion, um, Keenan will be playing Premier League in the next few years, you know, I think hopefully for the club and we're hoping he does one more year in Championship. Uh, possibly uh, with Luton, um, I'm sure. I'm sure he'll be asked the question, but um, if he doesn't, he doesn't. Um, but he, he's been he's been outstanding, and uh, like I said, I think we've been very very lucky to have him at this football club. Yeah, we'd absolutely love to see him for another year, more so because we'll actually be able to see him in the in the flesh. It's been a difficult season, sort of, for fans watching on for up from iFollow and things like that. Um, but you boys have done us really proud on the pitch. I mean, are there a couple of sort of standout moments over the course of the season that spring to mind when you look back on it? Um, well, there's obviously one. Uh, um, there's obviously one big goal which stands out from the rest, in my opinion. Um, obviously, that was James Collins um, coming on. We all know what game I'm talking about. Um, coming on with his first touch, um, ice cold. Uh, putting it away and helping us to a 1-0 win at home. You know, for me, you know, thinking about it now, that stands out. You know, I think the Bristol the Bristol City comeback, um, even the Sheffield Wednesday comeback, the Sheffield Wednesday comeback, that second half, you know, even though I wasn't involved, I, I was there at the game. It was a, I think it was a very important game because at that time in the season, um, it kind of could have decided which way you know, the football club went, you know, we could have got dragged in maybe to, I don't think we ever would have been in a relegation battle, but at the time we could have possibly got dragged into it. Um, but the spirit and the fight the boys showed in the second half, you know, we ended up getting the win and I think we haven't looked back since and we've been in real, real good form of alert and we're hoping to, to continue that from now to the end of the season. But yeah, for me, you know, number one was um, Colo, who has been an outstanding professional for this football club. And when he's been called upon, in my opinion, um, he's always he's always delivered. So, Colo coming on and getting that goal and winning one 0 is is definitely for me the highlight of the season. Yeah, Luton households all over the country will certainly yeah agree with you there. Sunny, brilliant season. Um, really appreciate um, your time on looking back on it. Congratulations. Enjoy the summer. Thanks, Dad. Take care. And last but not least. I managed to grab a few words with the superstar who entertained us, Kian and Dewsbury Hall. Kian, and we had you on the podcast earlier on in the season, um, but I'll just grab a few words with you to reflect on the season as a whole. Firstly, how did you enjoy your season at Luton Town? 
Yeah, I've absolutely loved it this season. I, I can't deny that. I've said that in, in the past. It's been a perfect season. I wanted to, at the start of the season, I wanted to come to a club that was hungry, that was going to be pushing in the, in the championship. And I feel like we've pretty much hit every target. A lot of people that aren't associated with Luton probably wouldn't have expected us to do this well. But I knew internally we had a plan that we wanted to not be in a relegation fight. We wanted to be pushing as hard as we can. And we've shown everyone this season that we're not here just to make up the numbers. We're challenging every team. We've beat top teams in the league. And <clears throat> maybe if we got different with the green in certain games, we might have been pushing for a playoff place. But it's been a fantastic season. I've learned, evolved as a person and as a player. So I can't thank anyone, everyone at this club for what they've done for me. Um, I've got nothing but fond, fond words and memories of Luton. So thank you very much for everyone that's gave me support and helped me evolve as a person. And yeah, I couldn't thank you enough. So No, we should be thanking you, mate, because you've entertained us royally this season. It might not have been in person, unfortunately. It's been on a TV screen, but you've been absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, whether we get to see you in the flesh next season or, or in the future or not, wish you all the best. Uh, for your career and if you are in the Premier League next season do you know which two games you've got to win <laughs> yeah no thank you thanks mate I appreciate your support as you say and nah top man and we also sent in a couple of questions to that interview with Simon Saluga and here are his thoughts on the season just gone when you're comparing comparing it with the last year with the past year it's season it's 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 a progress, of course it is, and we are in a much better position. We didn't struggle in any point of the season that we were afraid if we were going to be in the relegation battle or not. We had a lot of good games, much more good games than, than, than bad. It's a tough, tough league, it's a tough championship, it, it, it's a, a tough opponents so, so all the credits. To, to the staff, to the players, to the to the club, to everyone, because I think we 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 did a massive massive thing, and I'm very happy with with everyone. We had, like I said, good games, bad games, better performance, worse performance. But at the end, to be in the first twelve, or to be twelve or eleven, at the end, what we are gonna be, I think we all can be happy with with ourselves. And can you pick out? A highlight or two of the season, best memory, the Watford win was a yeah, great one. The Watford win, it was amazing. Uh, I think even the gaffer said it, and it was exactly what I was thinking at the moment. It for me, we maybe didn't play that game that was our best game. That's in in terms of like be beauty of the of the of the football, like uh, that we have the ball all the time in our feet that they couldn't get the ball but they couldn't I think they didn't uh, uh, do uh, three passes in a row in any moment of the game we were from the first second to the last second there they didn't had one shot in the in the target I didn't have nothing to do just kicking balls and to have some crosses stuff like that they scored at the end that was an offside and that's it so I think with the crowded game Take that game exactly what it was, how it was, and what it was with the crowd. I think it would the stadium would collapse or something like that. And of course, we were very happy. The Gaffa and all the 
the staff and Kevin and Mick and everyone were telling us the importance of that game. So we were aware of what are we, what we can achieve with the victory that day. So yeah, of course it's maybe the like sentimentally it was the biggest game. This is for sure. We've heard the players' views on it, James. I wrote a bit on your um, website in my last column, last but one column, about the size of this season. Put it into words for me. And the and the achievement in particular, it's 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 a massive achievement. Um, listen, uh, the, the the point against Middlesbrough, I think, moved Luton uh, above the points hall that the team of two thousand five two thousand six got. And there's a lot of players in there who went on to big things, and a lot of players who are, you know, are quite rightly revered still at the club. Um, so to have come, so to have. Uh, had the season they had before and improve on it markedly and, and achieve that. Um, and also got some stats here from Simon as well. So uh, that it was, uh, it was the best hole in the top two vision since 1986, 87. Um, and obviously the best second tier tally since the promotion winning season of 81, 82. So the record, you, the record you absolutely can't sniff at. Uh, it's incredible how they've um, managed to do that. We've mentioned on this pod before that I don't really like to talk about budgets and stuff, but you can't escape it in this division. There are, um, you know, there are teams that can outspend Luton by loads. In fact, there was some accounts out for Barnsley today, um, which showed their playing budget had gone up by about 3.5 million, I think it was. They're sort of paying 78% of um, turnover to wages ratio, whereas Luton sort of around about halfway, 55%, I think. So it just shows you that. And, and Barnsley are another one of the teams that are supposedly on a lower budget in the division. So it just shows you um, just just what an achievement that, that Luton have managed there. So um, it, it's, it feels now that Luton are an established championship team. And, um, you know, there's going to be a big turnaround this summer uh, and they've already got to find somehow replacements for you know the 13 league goals that Colo scored and the Mbappe level of assists that Ken and Juicy Hall um, better created. than Mbappe level better than Mbappe level that, that Ken and Juicy Hall created uh, they're both very big boots to fill but you know for years now maybe even since we started this podcast back in League 2 um, you've you just got to put your, your faith in what's going on and they always talk about the process it's not sexy it's not amazing to talk about but it's it's exactly what's needed and they, they find in these players these young players these young hungry players as we've seen we're recording this a day after Fred Onyedema um, signed from, from Wickham um, who we sort of all thought he might come in in January there were very strong rumours Um and it's a case of they, 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 they know the players they want and they will wait to get them if they have to. Or in the case of Elijah Adebayo, it probably came six months earlier, I think they've committed. But they, 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 they've identified the players they've got and it's all part of this process. And um, it's, I think it's going to be an exciting, exciting next season to see how they develop in this. It's going to be a tough one, though. 
exciting summer uh, as I as I wrote in my last column. So, I mean, how do you put into words this season? You know, I mean, if you think back to the start of the season, I think, you know, I mean, we finished 12th. If you switch the numbers around, we'd have been delighted with that finish 21st. Anything above there would have been fantastic to finish in the top half, though. I mean, it's not just a 12th place finish, is it? It feels a lot more um, bigger than that. Indeed, and quite right. I think the word to sum it up is progression, isn't it? That, um, you know, has been used a lot during the season. And as James said, you know, to finish where we have, um, you know, compared to previous years at this level, the 05-06 season, yeah, you know, a point more, you know, it's just incredible. And and what a year it's been um, since Nathan returned. Um, you know, it's the way that we've um, moved on, you know, stayed up last season and then gone on and progressed and, you know, 11 points better. Um, at the end of the season than we were last campaign. And and that's with not scoring many goals as well. I mean, I'm just looking, you know, when James noted about uh, the 06-07 season, um, uh, you know, sorry, 05-06 even, it's 25 goals less been scored, um, you know, and a point more gain from 05-06. And, you know, that just is incredible um, when you look at that, that we've been efficient with those away wins, the one nils, um, we've been steadier in defence, far less goals conceded. I think, you know, overall, it's been a, a real development on the pitch in the last year since Nathan came back. And, um, you know, we can only push on from here, hopefully. Yes, you know, some of the players that we're going to be discussing that are moving on and um, those coming in, there are changes at the football club, as we've seen over previous seasons. But um, we're certainly, as you mentioned, they're an established side in the championship. We're above teams that are so-called much bigger clubs than than Luton Town um, are deemed to be um, in some quarters. And I think we've really shown and perhaps surprised and hopefully impressed um, fans from other clubs and seen where we've we've ended up. Um, and I think you know a top half finish on the season. Um, is is the least we deserve. I think we've done superbly well going back to the beginning of the season. Um, yeah, you you would have happily taken anything above relegation and improvement on last year, but to be eleven points better off um, and knowing that it could have been more, uh, we've talked a lot about one all draws at Kenilworth Road. Um, yeah, it's real positive for the future, um, and it's been a fantastic twelve months. Um, and just hope that we can build and continue to build on that going forwards. Yeah, I mean, we we finished above some big championship clubs. We've also finished above some big clubs who aren't even in the championship, haven't we, Sunderland? And, um, you know, long may... Uh, you long talk may about Liam Wickham. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, they're the ones who keep on telling the whole world that they're not going to be in League One for very long and pretty sure when the league tables come out next season... They'll be in League One again, but who am I to uh, who am I to argue sort of thing? Tony, reflect mm-hmm. on the the, the twelfth place finish. I mean, you've been a Luton fan longer than the, than all of us. You would say you would have been around in those that time that we won the second division uh, in 81, 80, 81, 82. And uh, you know where does this compare? I mean, that was obviously a really, 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 really special time for the club because we obviously went in the top flight. We had fantastic players. We know what was to happen with the Man City win uh, the season after and everything well, else. But football was different then, wasn't it? Football changed in 1992. Not for the better. We all know that. We'll come onto that again another day. Yeah. But now, then, then we was kind of swimming in a pond with similar sized 
fish, weren't we? Now we're in a in a pond with sharks, aren't we? And we're well, we're we're staying alive. Yeah, we're 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 punching above our weight, really. Um, I, I I think it's been a, a tremendous season. It shows you what can be done um, when things are done properly, when you act within your means, and you don't. Uh, uh, overspend and you don't get into debt and I, I, I think it, our journey from the low point in 2009 when, when we think about how we were then and, and how we all felt um, and five years in non-league and it seemed like we'd never get out but since winning the National League title it's been upward progression all the way it took 2020 a while to get the club turned around and, and, and run it the right way and, 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 you know, do it ethically and, uh, you know, without uh, doing what a lot of other clubs have done and we're building and we're going up and, uh, you know, we, we've had some special seasons as well. I mean, again, winning the National League was um, back-to-back promotions and, and, and I don't think anybody expected us to finish up as League One champions when we did. And we knew the gulf to the championship and it was it was shown the first season there how hard it was. And and I think everybody at the club can feel proud of what they've done and, and give themselves a real pat on the back. Um, you know, and uh, we know this see this uh, close season is going to be a bit of a, tra- uh, you know, um, of an upheaval at the club and things are going to change. But that always happens at football clubs. Um, we've shown that we can do it. You know, there's, you know, it's the old story, you know, punching above our weight. Is, uh, I've always been proud of my football club. Even when we were back in the old first division, what is now the Premier League, um, you know, you'd go into games against so-called bigger clubs and you'd be... Uh, you know, you'd be expecting to lose. So if you lost the game and you come away, you could think, okay, you know, as long as we gave them a good game, fine. But if we beat them and turn them over, it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And uh, we've done plenty of that this season. Um, Simon uh, got it dead right when he said progression, as long as we continue to show that. And one of the main differences I've noticed between... um, this time, as it were, and, 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 and previous promotions. This time, Nathan is trying to do it with younger players, so bring it in so those players can develop with us. Um, whereas before, a lot of it had been done by bringing in sort of maybe a few players that have been towards the end of their careers. Um, and this is good. And it just means that we've got a really bright future. Um you know, so it's great. And I, and I think as long as we can progress on next season, um, yeah, it's sad to see some people go, um, especially James Collins. Um, I think the four years he's been with us have been really special. He's been great for the club. And uh, wish him nothing but the best of luck. But very, very proud of where we are and what we've done and what we've achieved. And uh, I think there's a lot to be said for following for other clubs to try and emulate the Luton way. I think we're leading the way for a lot of things, um, how to do things properly, how football should be, and uh, how unfair the game has become in, in terms of 
it's generally uh, all it is is money people want money and uh, the things like the parachute payments give it an unfair um uncompetitive edge on the pitch because it all comes down really at the end of the day who's got the most money and, which is uh, what makes finishing 12th in the exactly in the, league, in the league so special absolutely Let's come on to the summer then, James. I mean, Tony's just mentioned it there. There's only one place to start. We now know that James Collins has left the club to join Cardiff on a free transfer. I mean, there were rumours going around months and months and months on end, wasn't there? So I think we all knew that the writing was on the wall. Probably, like you say, sped up when Elijah Adebayo came in when he did. Um Tony's just mentioned it there, hasn't he? What a servant for the football club. I mean, you know, we've always jested on this podcast, haven't we? We're the James Collins Appreciation Society. That's going to have to change, but we've been that for a reason. Yeah, I, I think he's been wonderful. I mean, I, I wrote a piece for the website about whether whether he leaves the legend. And, um, you know, some people, some people could jump in straight away and go, well, anyone that scores a winner against that lot down the road is the instant legend. And, um, there were a lot of people, and there's probably from the older guard, who say he can't possibly be a legend because he's not, he's not Harford or Steen. Um, I even had somebody say he's not Joe Payne. And I was like, well... Well, you know, he's definitely not Joe Payne. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that, that argument was... Uh, was bizarre to me. Trying to compare people across eras is, is, is always a... You can never win. You're going to have your favourite if that was your era. The Joe Payne one, I mean, you have to be in your 90s to have even seen him play. Um, I know he's done a wonderful thing in scoring 10 goals in a game, but, you know, this is an era of football where, you know, they all had a packet of fags at halftime and stuff like that, so you can't compare. But the point of my piece was not to compare him with even... The '80s guys of you know Harford and Steen and, and uh, Ricky Hill and all that lot. It was it was to say, based on his achievements, does he leave as a legend? And I think he should do because he's been top scorer ever since he came here, double promotion winner, and his goals helped fire them there. He's done it in the championship. You know, he scored in his first game in the championship ever. He's earned international honours being here. Of course, he's beaten that lot down the road with uh, you know, his penultimate goal for the club. Um, and I just don't think he really has had the appreciation that he really deserves because it's not just his goals as well. We've talked about this, you know, his, his ultimate commitment to chasing down defenders and his defensive work. He's probably had more headers than some of the centre-backs from set pieces because he's always the first man and he did really well. I mean, he's, he's not perfect for me. Uh, I think he went to ground a bit too too easy and I think the referee's got wise to it. He was offside ahead of a lot, <laughs> which is a bit frustrating. But, um, yeah, I, I, I just think he, he, he deserves the utmost respect and I think the... People say that you know the word legends banded around too much, and I think you know don't think of it as a legend. Then think of it, it, it should he be a hat as hero? No, I think he should. You know, to to any one of this younger, any of the younger generation that probably can only remember football since maybe the conference or maybe even later, he has been top goal scorer. Uh, he's been the man that's 
it's got all those points, got all those um, goals, and uh, and played really well. And he's, he, you know, he, he missed a couple of chances this season. That he said himself that um, his form dipped, and then that's when Elijah came in. And that was probably with hindsight the changing of the guard. But he, he scored a lot of different goals. You know, saw from that clip from when he left. Um, the one at Preston, the one against Preston. Sorry, when the, he scored his last hat trick for Liverpool, there was a little little turn and shot, and he dragged it into the corner. It was a wonderful piece, piece of skill. And um, to say he was just sort of a six-yard box merchant, he's probably underselling it a little bit. So, um, you know, I'm glad that he's gone. To be honest, um, that's not to say that I don't think that um, Elijah's and his crust and would be probably the First choice striker, and he's, he's he's got a lot in his in his locker that we still probably haven't seen the, the most of, which is exciting. And um, you know, James Collins is thirty years old, and he was never quick, and he's not going to get any quicker. So um, you know, he, 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 I think everybody would agree that he goes with everyone. Bless him. It would have been nice to maybe get a fee for him, but you can't begrudge him. And go, I, I imagine I've got no. Inside money, that's why I imagine he's at least doubled his money at, at Cardiff. And if he was there for two or three seasons, then um, you know, fair play to him. Uh, I hope he plays uh, for them. I hope he doesn't do very well against Luton, obviously, but I hope he plays. I, I wonder whether he might have the same situation he did in the last half of this season, where he's more on the bench. And who knows? Who knows what Nick McCarthy's got in store for him? But I think Keith Moore is obviously going to be the main guy there, I would imagine. Um, but um, yeah, he's not. That's, who, who cares about that now? Because he, he's gone now. So uh, we've got his four, four wonderful years, and um, I think he's just been fantastic. That yeah, absolutely. I mean, Simon, you'll know the statistics more than me, but roughly speaking, seventy odd goals in hundred and eighty odd games, something like that, from a hat trick on his debut to almost his last contribution being that penalty hmm. against Watford. Like James said, I know he scored at Bristol City, but we. In ten years' time, no one will remember that win, but they'll remember the penalty against um, against Watford, won't they? Four fantastic years, particularly that League One season where he was absolutely on fire. Yeah, indeed. Um, you know, just looking at his figures, as you say, to, to confirm that the stats, it's seventy-two goals from um, one hundred eighty-three appearances, and that puts him thirteenth in the all-time table for Luton Town. Um, you know, he's, he's only 34 games behind Mick Harford, who in two spells um, scored 20 more goals. And, you know, he's in ninth, Joe Payne's in 10th, Tony Thorpe's in 11th for goal scores. So, you know, there's, there's some popular names in amongst there. And, um, you know, talking, James is saying about legendary status, as you've said, League One, I mean, that was a tremendous campaign, wasn't it? 25 goals for him, um, which has accounted for just over a third of all the ones he scored um, for Luton um, but then he's done it in the championship as well I mean he's got 24 goals in the two seasons in the championship so you know the step up from joining us in League Two all the way through he's developed with the club um, you know and become an international player scored for Ireland as well and you know as James said he's he is a big loss but I think we probably saw it come in um, the age that he is he's looking as well as he wants to play in the Premier League and obviously progress his international career He's obviously been a striker, probably only got a few more years and one big contract left in him. Um, and with the wage structure at Luton, 
you know, as Nathan Jones has said, you know, and he said, um, James has said from his interviews, you know, Nathan has said to him that, you know, there's there's a structure in place, but we wish you well if you can get a, a better deal that you will get elsewhere. Um, but yeah, it's uh, a, a big loss at both ends of the pitch, but we've been there, done that before and other players have come in and they've been replaced and, you know, we've Luton Town has progressed over the years and, and the recruitment, you know, at the moment, the last few years, under Nathan previously, and then again now, and Mick involved, you know, there's some big absolute gems coming through. And uh, long may that continue. And, you know, in a few years' time, hopefully we're talking about another player who's got four years behind him and is up there with the goals and the uh, appearances as well. James can repeat his article about whether that person's a club legend yeah. or not. Yeah, Tony, <laughs> um, sort of 30 years old, you know, we don't tend to keep players beyond when they get into their thirties, do we not, not under these, uh, not under this um, management and uh, not bad really for someone who's been painted throughout his whole career as just a league two journeyman. Mm. I mean, I think uh, every time we've gone up a level, you've always seen the section of supporters saying, oh, you know, can you do it at that level? Can you do it at that level? And he's proved them wrong. Um, you know, he, he, He'd made an impact at our club. I mean, the very first game he scored a hat-trick, didn't he? And uh, it, it, that endeared him to the supporter base. But having said that, if you, if you look back to him playing against us in certain games, particularly when he played against us uh, for Crawley, um, he always looked a good player then. He always looked more than just your you know, uh, typical striker. And... Uh, I, you know, whenever he's played for us, he, he, he's always given effort 100%. And you can't ask more for that, more than that. Um, I, you think at his age, that's been touched on, you can't be grudging the chance of, um, you know, one big more payday. Uh, I just hope he's chosen the right club to go to. Um, and I hope it works out for him. I, I wish him the best of luck, except for two games next season. Yeah, exactly. He goes with everyone's best wishes, doesn't he? Whether he's a legend, whether he isn't. And he'll always be welcome back at Kenilworth Road. That's the thing. And when he comes back with Cardiff, he'll get a round of applause, uh, a fully deserved round of applause, I'm by, sure. By the way, Kev, uh, and I've said it before, one of my major, major gripes is that he never had a song. And I think Well, I was just about to <laughs> I was literally just about to come on to that, James, because it is one of your bugbears that he's never had a song, isn't it? And actually, the next player who's left the club did have a song uh, in Matty Pearson, another one who made a massive impact in that League One promotion season to the extent where we may not have got promoted from League One without him because some of the blocks he put in, some of the goals he scored, absolutely tremendous. And yes, we've covered this season some inadequacies with the ball at his feet and, you know, one or two weaknesses and things like that. But what a player over three years and what an impact he made. Yeah, I mean, um, I think he actually improved towards the end of the season, actually. Um, the, he, those, the, he's not, um, he is not a wonderful player with the ball his feet, but he is a blood cut defender. If you want somebody in the trenches, with the ball, that's, what, that's what Matty Pearson is. And he's been honest all day as long. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he, he got a, you've got a song it's a wonderful song uh, so the people are going to have to come up to new ones for the, for the next season I think because there's going to be some other players that uh, you've got songs for which I suspect won't be around for the start of next season either 
Um, well, I think that I think the magic hat just moves from player to player, doesn't it? I don't think it's I don't think he takes the hat with him. He he disappears, but I'm pretty sure he's left the hat behind. Got got to score headed goals, haven't they? So you've got to try and fit Elijah Adebayo into that song. I don't know if the syllables fit, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Someone will be back in the pubs to uh, to sort it out anyway. Simon, another stalwart of that promotion season, uh, and, and actually not just that, scored some vital goals in the. Um, first season in the championship, winning goal at Blackburn. Uh, when you think of how narrowly we stayed up, you know you could argue without that and a, a one or two other contributions along the way, we'd have been playing League One football this season. Yeah, again another one. Matt, he's what played 136 games for the club. Um, you know through the divisions again, and um, you know wish him well. You know he's uh, he's been a strong part of the team. He played. You know, the home game against Blackburn, he came off the bench, didn't he? Having, you know, I say recovered from injury, but I don't think he fully had, but he wanted and he was committed to the cause to to, to be there and to get his head on anything to head it away in the latter stages. Um, so, no, and another one that, you know, we wish him well with his future career. Um, you know, a shame that he's, he's not still part of the squad, but, um, you know, with the likes of Tom Lockyer coming back from injury and his appearances at the Euros coming up, hopefully, um, you know, we've got some strength in depth in, in that area. Um, obviously, with the news that Bradley's signed on again, um, Cal Naismith was playing in that position. Um, you know, there was going to be a competition for places there next season. Um, so, you know, Matty's got the opportunity to go back up north um, and a three-year deal, I think it is, at Huddersfield as well, which, again given his age, whether we would have he would have been offered terms like that at Luton or we're perhaps perhaps we've got somebody else in mind already that um, uh, could be, um, you know, filling in one of those roles in the defence. Yeah, I'll come on to the rumour mill um, shortly because it's pretty strong on a, on a defender, isn't it? But Tony, I mean, Pearson was the kind of guy that every fan falls in love with, isn't he? Gives you 100%, throws himself in front of everything in both boxes, just... <laughs> dies for the cause mm. and where's his heart and his sleeve um what's the old saying he, 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 uh, he's the sort of guy you'd want in the trenches with you isn't he um you know the, the way he put his body on the line um and head things that nobody else should consider and you know some bricks as well apparently is what he had yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, to the left and to the right um also you know you look at some of the injuries or, or tackles and, you know, anybody else you'd think they'd be off, they'd be hobbling, but not him, he's up and he gets on with it. And you know that when he's hurt and he's down, it's something serious. Um, you know, and, and also, you know, we remember doing the interview with him as well. He comes across as a really good down-to-earth lad. And uh, I'm not surprised I, 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 that he's gone. I, I, I think... Uh, Looking at it, I think he'd, he'd, he'd a lot happier that he can go back up north. It's where he's from. It's where his family is. And again, you know, you wish him the best of luck and thank him for everything he's done for the club. Yeah, you do indeed. We've had both um, Matty and Collo on this podcast in the past. So we thank them for their contributions, for the time that they've given us and uh, wish them all the best for next season. Obviously, apart from two games uh, in each situation. James, I think most people thought the writing was on the wall with regards to Sonny Bradley leaving. You couldn't move on Sunday for um, talk that he was going to Ipswich Town, which, you know, I mean, 
I did have to check that the date weren't April the 1st, but it wasn't. <laughs> and um, he hasn't gone to Ipswich Town. So it was announced today, we're recording this on the Wednesday before we publish this, uh, announced today that he and Dan Potts have signed contract extensions. Uh, we'll come on to Potts in a minute, but really good that the skipper's committed his future to the club. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I was like you, a bit baffled by the Ipswich ones. Um, why he's a, he's a championship defender now. He's proven himself that. He's, he's, he's improved this season, no end. It's been one of the, um, you know, if it wasn't for Kim Jewsby and stand out from Sluga, the fact that Jordan Clark and um, Cam Smith and Adebayo have come in and been wonderful. He's, he's, been, he's been right up there with the, the level of improvement. Um, and his partnership alongside Tom Lockyer was looking really promising as well before Lockyer got injured. Even when he, even when Matty Pearson came in as well, um, he looked really good. He, he looks more confident. Um, and it would have been a real shame to to lose him, particularly to Ipswich. I don't know why you'd want to drop down a division. Um, I'm sure that the, uh, <clears throat> the facts will come out of that in the due course. But uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, he's a skipper as well, obviously. So um, you know, I don't. I don't know if you can place too much weight in it, but he's a, he's a player of authority, isn't he? And particularly when uh, you know when the pandemic struck last last time round, he was one of the leading players, um, you know, getting the getting the players all together to help the club out. So you know, from that perspective as well, he's a big influence, and you don't want to lose players like that. He's he's still he's not he's not too old, is he? So um, he can still cut it, I think. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad when when the news sort of filtered through that the Ipswich thing was dead in the water. Um, I, I was glad that he, that he was going to stay. And um, I think it's a it's it's not. I don't think it's like a new signing because he, he he's been he's been there for three years now. But it, it's definitely a boost going into the next season because if you think Collins has gone. And Dewsbury Hall's gone. If if Sammy went as well, that's sort of a spine of the team issue, really, isn't it? That's a, that's a difficult thing to replace. So, yeah, I'm glad that he's in. glad that he's staying. Yeah, there'd have been no point in him going to Ipswich, Simon, because he only scores when he's on Sky, and Sky don't show League One, do they? So uh, <laughs> that'd have been absolutely um, absolutely pointless. But uh, yeah, like James just said, then um, real leader, and actually still shone this season despite troubles off the pitch which obviously were well documented back in January uh, just kind of shows really the strength of character of the man yeah it does indeed um, you know as James said he's a leader um, you know he's, he's had a tough year off the pitch um, the sad passing of his father um, you know needed quite rightly took time out for that but came back strong wanted to be back playing um, soon after and you know just looking one of the websites that gives stats on the players um, looking at his average scoring from games, he's up there in the top four and it's a very close run thing. 0.02 difference between him and Elijah Adebayo and Cal Naismith for being second place to uh, Dewsbury Hall. So whilst he might not be stand out and be winning man of the matches on a regular basis, his, his performance under their scoring system is up there and, and puts him as one of the best players of the season for us. So, you know, his defensive capabilities is strong. You know, the left-sided 
centre back position. You know, I think it's it's great that we've kept hold of a player like like Sonny to um, to take the club forward. And again, another one that when you talk to him and he did his interviews at the end of the season, you know, everything was very positive. It, it, and that was why I was surprised by some of the rumours because everything he was saying in the interviews I did with him and and, and others was all looking ahead to next year, looking at forward to the fans being back and how the club was progressing on and off the field and, um, you know, how much he was wanting to be um, part of that. Yeah, even the two bits that we did with him for the presentation evening, uh, you know, didn't suggest that uh, he was going to leave. I guess, Tony, in a way, do we see that Sonny Bradley re-signing as a confirmation that everything's under control? Because he'll have sought out assurances that, certain players are going to be replaced before he re-signed, wouldn't he? He wasn't just going to re-sign and then find out he's going to be in a shit team next season. So maybe this signing is actually kind of further um, confirmation that, you know, we've got it all under control. Yeah, the definitely. Without a doubt. I mean, you know, we all know 2020 and, and Nathan and Mick would have been working on, on a list of players for quite some time now. Um, they already identified targets and you know you're quite right in what you say Sonny would have spoken to them um, and uh, be well aware of who's coming in the type of player they're looking for um, so that's obviously you know um, helped him make up his mind but I, 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 I sort of get the impression with Sonny that he, he, he's one of these players that um, seems to maybe have fallen in love with Luton Town um, you know, you occasionally get that with players. And I think probably what would have helped is, is the support backing he got from fans and everybody at the, at the club from, from what he went through. Um, and uh, it's great. I think it's given everybody at the club and all the fans a, a, a real shot in the arm to know, hey, you know, you said everything's under control. Um, don't panic. Don't worry. And I, and I think... Uh, Gary said that um, on the the podcast uh, on the Zoom last week, didn't he? He said it's all under control. We, we know what we're doing. We're, we're planned, and you know that's full well. And you know, you, you know, Sonny's always struck me as a, a, a down to earth guy. He knows what he's about, and uh, it, it, there's big good reasons for him staying. So I think it's great. He's obviously not a fan of tractors. Um, yeah, really good. <laughs> Really good that the skipper's committed. Really committed. Really good that the skipper's committed himself to the future. Just a quick word, James, on Dan Fox. Been here for a long time. Um, Going to carry on. May or may not be first choice. Cal Naismith's been really good in that left back situation, hasn't he? Obviously, we signed Reese Norrington Davies at the start of the season, so it kind of suggests that it's an area that we are looking at improving in the future. But Nathan has mentioned that he can play centre back as well, so probably nice. To, good to have him carrying on because um, he knows the club. He can fill a couple of positions, probably isn't going to be the most expensive and just fits in with everything that we're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't ever think there was any danger of what's going because he's been so unfortunate of injuries. He's not been in the shop window, really, for, for other players to come in and take him. But you, you do keep him for the, the fact that he he's a let... He, He's played left back most of his career so far, but for me, his best his best performances have been when he stood in for a couple of games at, at centre back because the way Luton want to play is getting back to that bombarding wing back sort of play that Stacey and JJ offered, and um, 
I'm not not saying he can't do that, but it's not he hasn't done that really to a, a great extent that, that that would suggest that. You know, it's more likely that Cal Smith, Cal Naismith can offer that on the left hand side, certainly in an attacking sense anyway. So um, you know, if if um, even if Sonny Bradley had left, maybe that might have been his chance to step up and and be a centre back, and not forgetting we've also got Osho to come back potentially, and um, and, and Kioso to come back as well. Although Kioso is more right back, um, so I don't I don't think the defences are I don't think the defences are worried at all. Really, I think they've um, they've shown the different partnerships that have had to come in through injuries and um, you know unfortunate things off the pitch that that they're quite a solid unit. They've, they've you know the amount of clean sheets we talked about already. Um, uh, just just sort of shows that, and uh, you know, the really the position of twelfth in the in the division, considering the amount of goals, the, the small amount of goals that they scored, really was built from that back line. So, you know, whoever's come in has done a, has done a real good job there. So, um, I, I I always thought he'd be one of the ones that would stay. So it's uh, it's good news. One of the few remaining links from the John Still era, um, Simon. Um, yeah, that's right. I mean, he signed. Nearly if six we, years ago, didn't he? Yeah, if we assume that Elliot Lee's going to move on and we're, we're still unknown as we record this about Pelly Ruddock and Pansy, he could be the last remaining piece of that particular jigsaw. Yeah, I mean, you know, as I said, obviously Pelly joined in November 2013, our longest serving, and, you know, you're talking 18 months later before um, Dan Dan joined um, from, after being released by West Ham and, you know, he's been a good servant to the club. And then, you know, the, the, the players after that, again, are nearly a year later, Glenn and um, Danny Hilton as well. Obviously, Elliot Lee been on loan and then joined us permanently um, July 2017. He's one of those where we're not sure on current contract situation um, because, as has been the case the last few seasons, um, like many other clubs, Luton haven't been um, necessarily announcing contract extensions and deals. So, um, yeah, there's, there's plenty of players at the time of recording. We don't know um, what's happening to them. And, um, you know, if news comes out before this goes out, then obviously we wish any players that are leaving the club all the very best because those that, you know, have, have, have all played a part somewhere along the line, if they've not been a regular player, then they've been working behind the scenes to push for a place, which has kept the people in the squad and in the team fighting even harder. Um, so, you know, and that, that's why there are changes every season and progression, but at the same time, it's great that players like Dan Potts that have been with us for several years and adaptable in a couple of positions. And, um, you know, as I say, unfortunate with injury for a, a time that he's been with us, um, you know, it, it keeps the, it keeps the team spirit and it keeps the, you know, you don't want massive changes, um, within a squad, but, um, you do need things to change, every, um, each year to help you progress and um, to bring in players that can be the future for Luton Town as, as well as those that have played in the past. And often, Tony, when a youngster sort of comes through the ranks, he needs sort of someone who knows the club to sort of look up to and go by. And the fact that potsy has been here for six years now, you know, he's going into a seventh year. I mean, who better to sort of teach the ways of the club on the pitch than him? Yeah, yeah. And uh, lead by example. Um yeah, he, he, he's one of the older heads now, isn't he, Dan Potts? And, uh, um, you know, useful backup uh, for centre-back, as we already discussed. 
Well, just like to say about Potsy that I think he's been really unlucky on the injury front and it always seems to happen when he gets back into the team and he's, he's playing well. And generally, if you look at mo- most of the injuries he's had, it's been because, you know, he's, he's, he's done a last-ditch block or he's put his body on the line or whatever. And you've got to respect a player like that, especially coming back from a bad injury, and he'll still do it again. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased for him. It, 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 it's good. It, it shows consistency at the club. And, uh, you know, if you get a lot of people leave at the same time, then, you know, there's bound to be somebody out there negative saying it's like rats desert and a sinking ship, but it's not like that this time. It's done, it's done on the club's terms. And, uh, you know, it, it, obviously Nathan wants him at the club and, it, and, and it's good to see. Yeah, nice lad as well. Um, yeah. Won me more than a fair few quid in first goal scorer bets along the way. So uh, hopefully he gets back to doing that next season as well. That'd be um, more than handy. Um, obviously, Brendan Galloway's gone. That was um, mentioned in a press conference back in January, I think it was, maybe just after. Um, I think it's the biggest, worst kept secret known to man that you know Kane's going to retire once his Leeds contract runs out. They'll have played their part behind the scenes, if not so much in front of the scenes, James. But there are still some others out of contract. We won't cover Pelly because I don't think it's fair to cover Pelly. No one knows if he's in or out of contract for absolute certain. No one knows what's happening there. But there are others. Luke Berry, George Monker, Kazenga Lualua for three. How do you see their futures? I think they're probably all going to be away from Luton, unfortunately. Um, obviously, there's rumours around the uh, whole one in... Monker, but um, it's, it's what the thing is. I, I understand that people have him as a favourite player. He scored some wonderfully important goals and some absolute crackers. Um, but I think it's still that he's he's not that proficient off the ball is the is the issue. I think so. Um, you know, if you if you're going to move forward, you need you need the, those midfield players that can do a bit of everything. I think. Um, so I think he'll probably go. Um, Luwalua, um, you know, when he's on song, he's still unplayable. He can, mm. he can twist your blood. He's that good. But uh, when you sort of just get in 15 minutes at the end of the games, I don't think it, he can always show his best. Um, and obviously he wanted away before and then came back. So... <laughs> mm. um, I, I won't be surprised if they all go. Uh, Pelly, Pelly included, as well. I know we're not going to talk about him, but I would like him to stay because <laughs> I think on his day, he's a wonderful player. And I'll point you to his day being Watford when I rated him 11 out of 10 for his performance. He was that good. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's still probably got a bit more to give. So, um, that's, uh, that's Pelly for it. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, it's, it's just not fair to um, to to cover the Pelly situation. Although one thing we should say is congratulations on their international call up to the um, Democratic Republic of Congo. Fair play to him for that. I don't think anyone saw that coming when he joined us in the conference. So uh, just further recognises how far he's come. Simon, where are you on those three? And I've missed out Martin Craney, and I do apologise. I should really have mentioned him in that um, quartet. Do you see any of them staying? Or are you kind of the school of thought that if they were going to stay, they'd have signed by now? Or you... No, I mean, that's it. I mean, the players will have been on holidays as well. Chances are some of them gone straight off after the season finished. I think, you know, we've talked about 
um, ages before. And I think, you know, that won't help with the likes of um, Craney and Loire Loire. Um, I think George Moncur is a terrific um, player. I think, you know, he's, he's lit, lit us up at Kenilworth Road at away games, the free kicks, the character that he is. Um, yes, he struggles to perhaps get a regular starting place, but he had a spell in the season where he was playing um, starting game in, game out. And I just think what you've got to look at if a player is to leave the club um, through the club's choice of not offering a new contract is um, putting the faith in that they've got somebody that they're lining up that, you know, is going to push them forward. And I think Nathan said recently that, that we will come out of this transfer window, hopefully in a stronger position than we have gone into it. And I think that has been the case more often than not under his leadership. So, you know, as we said earlier, you know, if news is broken by the time that this podcast goes out, then, you know, we do wish all those players well. I would be personally disappointed um, if a couple of them were to move on, um, but also fully aware that, you know, and have the faith that we'll be bringing in players for the future as well. Yeah, no, I I perfectly echo those sentiments, particularly Monker. I look, we've all fallen in love with Monker. We fell in love with Monker in the snow, didn't we? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. In the snow against Portsmouth, one kick of the ball and he became a Luton hero, didn't he? The fact that he's gone on and done so much more since then only probably strengthens that claim. But as we've discussed all podcasts, Luton heroes, they come, they go. The transfer club that's been put together has made a new sign-in. Uh, they've dropped a bollock, though, it has to be said, because they've signed someone who hasn't played for Barnsley, which I didn't think was allowed. <laughs> but, but clearly, but clearly, it is allowed because we've signed, as you as you mentioned earlier, Fred, on your dinner from Tony's favourite place, Wickham. Uh, very much in the profile of a Nathan Jones signing, isn't he? Twenty four years old, can play in a few positions. Exciting, pacey. Probably still got more to give. If you listen to Mick in the in that transfer club thing, I, I didn't actually hear the first part of it. So my ears were still ringing from that fax machine, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's very, very, very much a Nathan Jones signing. And and like you intimated earlier, not really the biggest secret. No. Um, I mean, I'm glad that they kept on him because um, they did get him in January. Uh, I think pace is probably the key thing there, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, to maintain that uh, attacking spirit that seemed to be reinstilled in the team in the, sort of the last third of the season. Um and obviously the, the, the pressing game, the high pressing game that also accompanied that. I think that you're going to need some very mobile players. So, um, uh, you know, score a goal as well, which is which is good because they need to add uh, in that area, obviously. Um, and, uh, you know, good luck to him. He's going to see a bit more football, isn't he? Now, he might never saw Nick. Well, I mean, Tony's itching to get that in. So you've actually, <laughs> you've absolutely done him there. But Tony, what do you make of... Uh, what do you make of the signing? I mean, to be fair, obviously we mock Wickham and everything else, but every time we play against them, he's the one, isn't he, that you look at and you think, what the bloody hell is he doing playing for them? Yeah, it, 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 it's wonderful to see somebody uh, come back into the uh, into proper football. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, 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 I don't know. I, 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 I'm concerned for Wickham. I mean, what are they going to do without that one spark of creativity they had? Um, no, he's a useful acquisition because uh, he's, a, he's a versatile player as well. Um, a, a, a would-be utility man. And he, he's got a good reputation up front. And he, he has scored some good goals for them. So, um, yeah, 
wait and see. And are either of you two going to own up to editing his um, Wikipedia account shortly after he signed for us? <laughs> I don't no, know how to do things right like that, Kevin. I don't know how to do things like that, and I wouldn't even dream of it. <laughs> Whoever did do it was uh, that was a piece of genius. If you didn't see it, it was basically that he's joined, and um, part of the fee was cowboy boots and a new leather jacket for Gareth Ainsworth and uh, <laughs> it's exactly the kind of thing that Tony's got his hands all over even if he didn't do it he might well have known the person that did. Simon what do you make of the signing uh, on your demo? He's not going to be one that's going to um, roll off the tongue for you next season and there's a few of them joining the uh, joining the rounds aren't there but uh, in terms of attacking talent certainly seems to have it. Yeah, I mean, certainly, as we said, there was a lot of talk that he, we were after him in January at the time. And then, of course, that's been proved now. Um, great to bring him on. Obviously, Mick knew him from his days at Millwall. Um, been impressed ever since. Um, again, slightly versatile in that he's been playing left wing back for Wickham as well as he can play um, in the attacking line. So, yeah, young, pacey, 24 years old, I think, isn't he? So, you know, plenty still to offer the football club going forwards. And, um, you know, he judging by uh, the way that uh, he's keen to obviously come in and uh, develop as well. Um, yeah, real prospect. And I think, you know, we'll hopefully hit the ground running. Great that we've got him in early. And we know how key that is, particularly under the way that Nathan Jones and management team run a pre-season. Um, it needs to be good, Simon, for when uh, we're in situations where we need to waste time. He'll be able to tell the others what to do and give them plenty <laughs> of coaching, will he? <laughs> <laughs> you rogue you and right chaps let's finish this podcast very quickly with a look ahead to next season first and foremost James what do you want to see in the summer in terms of ins- uh, coming coming in so we've covered the outs what sort of players would you like to see coming in not Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe and all of that no 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 but realistically what would you like to see we don't want them anyway do we we just want Kylian back yeah. oh yeah we do no well we need we need somebody that's going to come in and do something similar to to Kim and really uh, is going to boss the midfield and, and open up defences like a tin of sardines really I think um, this, I, I think I've already said I think the defence is solid I think it's sound they're going to need a bit more defensive reinforcements and they're going to need those sorry midfield reinforcements they're going to need those guys to chip in with some goals um, they haven't scored that many uh, so I think they you know, if, if the defence is going to be as solid as, as it was last season, let's hope it is, then um, if Luton are to progress, then they have the building blocks already there in that they create a lot of chances. They need to start putting them away. And it's the easiest thing to say, but the hardest thing to do, isn't it, to, to stick the ball in the back of the net. But uh, that is obviously where the, the, the next challenge is if they want to improve on 12th and, and, and move up the table and who knows what else. But... Um, they have to be a bit more clinical. Uh, so, like I say, I think it's it's a big job that they've got on their hands because you know even if um, you didn't see Colo as the uh, you know as the long term future, he still scored a heck of a lot of goals. And you know even if you didn't rate him, you still the top goal scorer. Uh, considering he didn't he didn't play, he had a lot of games after uh, Adebayo you know, got in and started ahead of him. So there's there's, there's, there's that. Um, you need to replace, uh, but that is where the money is, isn't it? That's where <laughs> that's where it costs a lot of money. So they've got to find a, a gem from somewhere, and um, more often than not, uh, there are people like Kim and Chisby Hall who none of us have heard of really when they come in. And that's that's to the credit of 
of uh, Mick Arthur and the recruitment team really to, to digging these people, uh, finding these gems really. And uh, you know, you've got to add into the mix that they have got uh, Jay Sochik as well, who's come in from the stats and analyst side on the recruitment uh, stuff as well. So you know, sort of have every faith really for the stuff they put in behind the scenes that they can continue to find these players because that's where that's where Luton can can thrive really in the. the the, the business model was probably right. To be honest, it is a business model, isn't it? When you sign into players like Adebayo and, and Onya Dinmar, who are really young, if they are everything you hope they, they will be, they'll get poached by the players and hopefully for big money. Um, you know, it's not done Brentford any harm, is it? Really, has it? So um, that's sort of probably where, naturally, where they'll be. Yeah, Simon, if we get you to take your commentator's hat off, put your fan hat on, where would you like to? Uh, what would you like to see happen in the summer? I think the first thing to say is obviously, you know, there's plenty of rumours as there always will be this time of year. Um, as I said earlier, we keep faith in the recruitment team; they know what they're doing. We've had one or two come from nowhere um, that have, we've signed, and they've been a surprise. We've had others like Onya Dimma that have been well rumoured and well known. So, whatever happens this summer, I think the key thing is, as uh, Nathan has said, is we come out of it stronger than we've gone into it. Um, and, you know, I have every faith in the board and the management team that they they will have their targets. Uh, they will know whether they can get those targets or have a good um, positive feeling about it. Um, and if the first choice doesn't come off, they will have a plan B in place. So I think rather than focus on individuals that I'd like to see at the club, I think it's just summed up by having the squad there that is as good and better than... Um, than we've got at the moment and that's with no disrespect to any player that should leave the club um, as we've said you know it's it's progression it's forward it's football players are older now than they were when they joined um, and in certain positions that's an area that you 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 do struggle you do need to replace sorry because age just does get to us all unfortunately it does looking at this zoom that's absolutely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely the case Tony um, what would you like to see bringing in uh, in the summer um, at least uh, another three players at the very least a centre back uh, another striker maybe two strikers I think and uh, a midfield player who's capable of um, being a playmaker um, but that's very much what I'd like to see at the club at the very least and uh, you know I, I think it's going to be an interesting and exciting summer yeah, I do too. Wouldn't it be great if there's a world that we live in that Cameron Carter-Vickers and Kean and Dewsbury Hall can come back to Luton for next season? That would be well, fantastic. There's, there's Newcastle won Carter-Vickers. say that at, uh, at some stage in the future, we might be able to pay fees like that for players. You know, yeah, that would be... Yeah. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? But it's uh, probably fantasy world. Uh, just quickly, chaps, anything in particular that you're looking forward to next season? Either of the three sides coming down or the two sides coming up that we know of? I think there'll be a bit of needle with um, the return of uh, Reese Norton and Davis, whoever he turns out for. I presume it'll be Sheffield United. Uh, I don't think they're coming down in as great a shakes as some of the other clubs previously. So, uh, Yeah, Mr. Steppingstone himself, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But really, uh, I, just want, I just want fans back because it yeah. has been a massive... It's been a massive blow it's not you know football isn't always amazing um the actual football sometimes it's 
it's Coventry nil nil. It's it's dreary. But what can make it is other stuff and uh, you know the fans and everything around the game. And when you lose that and you're just faced with a really bland game of football, um, it it really does detract from it. You know, we sit through those bland games of football for the moments of, of James Collins scoring a penalty or a George Monker scoring a free kick uh, out of nowhere against Wickham and stuff like that. But they, they are there uh, and I love them, uh, not at the time, but I love them as part of the rich tapestry of football. But without without the fans there, it's uh, it's kind of a bit like a, a facsimile of a game or Mm. It's, not, it's not quite the same thing. It's a bit, a bit like a dress rehearsal rather than an actual match. But um, uh, yeah, missed, missed it, and I'm sure everybody else as well. I mean, I've been fortunate enough. To, Simon, and I've been fortunate enough to be actually in the grounds. Um, so um, you know, don't cry for us, I'm a team, but it, it, it's it's not the same, and everybody knows it. No, and uh, the good news is you get to go back to the Rico Arena or whatever it's called. Uh, next season as well and I know how much you love that place so oh, as long as it doesn't rain and isn't minus five degrees or something I'll be happy <laughs> <laughs> Simon anything stand out off the fixtures for you um fixture wise now I mean I think as James said the, the key thing for me is getting everybody back and enjoying the whole atmosphere and um, the occasion of a football match as well as the the victories after 90 minutes um you know the away day traveling seeing people again and, you know, just generally getting football back to where it should be and having a packed Kenilworth Road and scoring the winner late in the game under the floodlights and celebrating with everybody else. Um, you know, it's just going to be hopefully a tremendous season for the club on and off the pitch. You know, we, we haven't talked about it in this podcast because it's been a review, but, you know, looking ahead off the field as well, things progressing and developing and, um, you know, just... Can't wait, fixtures coming out. Then you start planning, looking forward to pre-season. Hopefully we even get a few pre-season games with fans involved. So, um, you know, that that start everything starts before we know it. Yeah, for those asking why we've not covered Power Court and Newlands Park in this podcast, as Simon said, it is a season review. But also, um, we're trying desperately hard to uh, pin someone from 2020 developments down for a special podcast during pre-season. So, uh, Keep your ears out for that one. Tony, anything stand out for you? A trip back to the stadium of light? Oh, no, silly me. We're not going back there, are we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Sad, never mind. Um, Any, anything else? I know you're disappointed that we're not going to Wickham. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, I'm absolutely gutted about that. I'll never watch another football match as long as I live. Um, no, I, I, yeah, at least there's another fairly localish game there in, in Peterborough. Um, and if Brentford go up, Fulham not exactly the worst replacement in the world from a distance point. No, of view, it's it? not. It's not. But the main thing is with it, you know, I can't wait. Same as the other two guys, I can't wait for it to to start so that we can all get back in the stadium. And as James touched on, it, it, it's not just that. It's having a drink before the game, seeing your friends, and seeing you know some familiar faces that are sit around you in the stadium and. Uh, you know, just for that few hours, you're all one and you all belong to the same family and you all want the same thing. And, of course, not forgetting shouting and swearing at the opposition. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all echo that. We all want to be back in that stadium. So, dates for your diary to look out for then. June the 24th, 9am. That's when the fixtures are released for next season. That's when the anticipation builds for next season. Unless we're the Friday night TV game, August the 7th is the first day of the new season. 
Uh, I'm not sure where they fit the Carabao Cup in this year, but I can't believe it's going to be before the season starts, given the Euros. So uh, that's just about it for this season. Before we go, some sad news reached us of the yeah. passing of Dave Hercock. Uh, we all on this um, podcast know a new Dave or like Dave or came into contact with him. James and Simon, when they went to the ground through the press gate, which he manned uh, for forever and a day, and myself and Tony, when he was uh, on the door for our presentation evenings, he was a regular on a Bobber's Travel um, coaches. Luton fan, great guy, and it's going to be sadly missed, gents. Yeah, echo all those thoughts, Kevin. Lovely bloke, and um, you know, it's very sad news to hear of his passing. Yeah, our thoughts, uh, prayers uh, with uh, Dave's friends and family. Okay, as I said, we will hopefully be back in the summer with someone from 2020 Developments talking about the exciting times at Power Court, Newlands Park. <laughs> well, chaps, we're going to reconvene ahead of next season so uh, thanks for joining me thanks for everyone who's joined us on the podcast from the Luton fan guests from the players themselves from Nathan right back at the start of the season when he did the season preview podcast it's been a fantastic season I've enjoyed covering it with you all Simon I hope the next time I speak to you will be on a podcast and I don't have to listen to you commentating on another football game for as long as I live no offense <laughs> but, um, yeah thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back later in the summer Cheers. 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 Cheers.